Hello and welcome back to Blood and Ashes. This is episode 72. I'm your host Mo and I'm joined by my cousins from out of town, Vili. Good day. And Jody. Fucking Elida. Moritz. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, don't waste any time. Why did you give Jeez. me this chapter? Okay. But anyway, hello everybody. <laughs> because I hate you. <laughs> Hi everyone. I'm in a great mood today. You're all in for a treat. Uh, well, Joe, I mean, you've you've read ahead now. You've probably finished Crown of Swords, right? No, I had two chapters left, and then I just did not get around to it. I'm renovating a bathroom, so there is nothing else happening in my life. Personally, are you doing the work yourself? Yes, exactly. I have some advice for people considering renovating a bathroom themselves. Um, avoid it at Don't all do costs. It. Yes. <laughs> Expect it that much. Just pay someone 10,000 bucks to do it for you because fucking hell. 10,000, 20,000, 100,000. It a loan. doesn't matter. Go to a loan shark. I've learned this the hard way as well. <laughs> it's not done and my hands are ruined. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But Joe, you've got plenty of tiling experience, don't you? Yes, but it's it's mostly prepping because it's done so badly here. I had to chop everything off the walls. And then when I got underneath all the tiles and all the old glue, the, no one had plastered that room. So then I had to go plaster it. So now I'm, I'm way oh. behind. But uh, I think I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get the tiling started next week. I'm taking a three-day, four-day uh. break. Jody, I, uh, if, I don't know if you can recall the you house did. I renovated. I remember oh, that kitchen. House. Mm. Mm -hmm. and um it cost me shoulder surgery yeah and <laughs> a tremendous amount of heartache and pain yeah so if you attempt to do this yourself you're an idiot and you should suffer <laughs> yes <laughs> well speaking of heartache and pain should we get to today's chapter <laughs> yeah um, yes let's do that i'm so excited for my very very good chapters Okay. <laughs> hey, you got great wow, you're like yin and yang today. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the very, very good chapters and Jody's terrible, terrible chapters, let's head to everyone's favorite section called Callbacks. Right, number one, Thailand's death. Um, you remember I made a sort of offhand comment about it in the in the last episode, and um, it's actually Matt that ties her up when he leaves the palace after the Sean Chan take over. Thailand swears the, the Sean Chan oaths and is raised to the blood, actually. Um, so to keep from being punished for Matt's escape or, you know, some aiding Matt in his escape or something to the, uh, along those lines, um, she agrees to help Matt, and she actually shows him how to tie her up. But unfortunately for her, after Matt has left, the golem arrives and kills her and feeds on her while she's tied up and I think stuffs her under her bed. So a pretty unpleasant Ooh. end for Queen Tyler. Yeah. I couldn't find a specific reference to what Moradin's orders for Mogidian are. I remember we were saying that Mogidian was going to, after her little attempted assassination on on Nynaeve, she said she was going to go take it out on uh, Ispen and Falion. And we were sort of wondering, like, has she been sent there by Moradin? What are Moradin's orders for her? I couldn't find any reference to what her specific orders were. The fandom wiki actually says that she was ordered to go check on Ispen and, and Falion by Moradin, mm. who may have told her, continue doing what you were doing before until I sent for you, or maybe told her specifically to go to Falion and Ispen. Don't know. But um, pretty soon afterwards, she is given some pretty 
significant tasks by Moradin, uh, and they do not line up with what her previous agenda was. Now, we know that Espen and Fallon were already sent to Ibudar by Mogedian to find that cache, so it's unclear whether Moradin has reinforced those orders or if she's acting um, on her own when she seeks them out. Hmm. Then there was the line that I couldn't remember when Nynaeve surrenders, um, you know, when she's underwater and she's drowning and she breaks her block. I just wanted to call it out because it is so poignant to me. Like uh, the line is just, she surrendered completely, full stop. And I just love that yeah. because it is so succinct. <laughs> yeah. um, and it is almost poignant, you know, like a feeling of finally. And it is um, the the brevity of it that uh, just really stood out to me. And I thought it was a, a real fancy little piece of writing. Yeah, and when that happens, you hear in the background the song Let It Go from Frozen. It would be the perfect. <laughs> yes, as I do most days anyway. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> i got three boys, but I've watched that movie a million times. A lot. Yeah. I'll give you a, a life pro tip. There is a metal version of it, and I've gotten <laughs> Jesse into that now. So now we listen to that more often, and it is a bit better. Okay. It's a bit like the um, Panic at the Disco version of the song from the second movie. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Unknown. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, but that is it for callbacks, guys. What? Would you believe Whoa. it? I don't believe Jeez. it. It's a trap. It's a trap, Billy. <laughs> it is a trap. Don't get too excited because we've got it. a bunch of listener contributions. Uh, I prefer those. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, those are it. the cool people that tell us stuff. I'll, I'll pretend like my feelings aren't hurt because you like the listener contributions more than my callbacks. Well, you brought that upon yourself. Yes, yes 100%. 100%. All right, Joe, you're in for a treat. So, cool. new fan of the show, Samantha, writes in with a scathing appraisal of Egwene and Elaine's behavior. Ooh. Uh, Samantha writes in about episode 61 saying, Wow, you guys giving Elaine the benefit of the doubt on her military skills uh, is insane. <laughs> this is when, you know, Elaine is sort of interjecting in Matt's sort of business and ordering his troops around. Yeah. She just started doing that because Matt would not let her have the Foxhead uh, medallion to study. Those girls are the worst. <laughs> they are young and immature and shouldn't be representing anyone. Gwen only raised them to Aes Sedai because if she didn't, she couldn't hang out with them like she does. What Aes Sedai is hanging around with accepted. Plus, Matt shows Egwene great respect for being from the two rivers after she has been treating him like shit. Boy, what a great leader she is. That is sarcasm. <laughs> we got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. I cannot stand those girls, and I wish their story was less. They make real women look petty, rude, and disrespectful. I cannot stand Elena or Egwene. Maybe if I say this with my nose in the air, it will make me endearing. <laughs> Samantha, we love you already. You are... <laughs> yes. Uh, that is a that is a refreshing take. I mean, naturally, it's lovers of the books that would come yeah. and you know interact with the show and stuff. And we've had hints of people being disappointed or you know bored maybe with some of the behavior and the stuff that we've seen before. We certainly have spoken a lot about some of Nynaeve's mm. behavior in some of the previous books that didn't sit well with us. But um, I, I was just I was happy to read this, this this really angry message about it. But thanks, Amanda, for that. I will say the following though: Amanda, um, isn't it Samantha? Did I not say Samantha? I thought you said Amanda. You did say Samantha. Oh. Jody's ears. I just heard Amanda. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. Continue. I will say, though, that um, regarding Elaine's military skills, mm. 
Uh, like Jody often says, we have the luxury of observing these characters knowing their whole arc. So we know that Elaine chooses the Green Arger. Um, she becomes the leader of the forces of the light during the last battle. I think I even mentioned that at the time as well. Yeah. Um, and she grew up with not just a queen for a mother, but with, you know, one of the great captains always around. Um, and she does do things that Matt also admits that he would have asked the men to do as well. Yeah. She just did it first. Um, so she's definitely on the right track. So I don't think we're too out of out of place to, to you know, at least comment on the fact that she seems to have some kind of military skills that none of the other female characters in her immediate vicinity seem to have exhibited to this point. Is she being a little bit spiteful about the Foxhead Medallion? Probably. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's her only motivation, but I mean, we see her even in these chapters we're reading now with a pretty contentious relationship with Matt. Then Egwene raises the girls to Aes Sedai for a couple of reasons. Firstly, she states outright that it is partly to draw attention away from herself not being raised on the oath rod either, uh, but mm-hmm. still needing to carry the authority of the Amaran without being questioned. Silai raised Faulane and Fiudrin. And it was because they already were put into this little bit of a, a limbo yeah. state. Yes, that's mid, right. They were already elevated. Mm. Yeah, yes. yeah. They were already. So she given... raised them and she raised the girls. And then she sends Nynaeve and Elaine to Ibuda, right? So she, it's not like she gets to hang out with them that much. No. She immediately sends them. It's like a couple of days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Yes, if not a day. Yeah. Um, and they're also 18, you know. I, I don't <laughs> think that. we should be looking at these girls and thinking of them as representative of, of women. They are quite clearly young and make young people decisions yeah. um, that we are quite often calling out. So, Samantha, I, I feel your frustration, maybe not so much for Egwene and Elaine, but I, I see where you're going with this. And actually, one thing I did want to say is it's interesting that Samantha doesn't call out Nynaeve's behavior because Nynaeve is 26 and she acts incredibly immaturely, a lot. So... You know, there's there's certainly substance to what Samantha's commenting on here. Oh, Samantha, you forgot Nynaeve. <laughs> anyway, next could time you could write something in about Nynaeve. <laughs> yes, in our next episode. Then, friend of the show, Mick Halverson, sends in what I think is an absolute gem. Okay. He says, I have a theory about Matt's dice in his head. Mm. We know they stop when something significant happens for Matt's destiny. Most of the dice going on in Ibudar relate to Matt's impending meeting with Tuon in a couple of books. But what makes the dice start up? So working backwards, the dice stopped when Matt agrees to move into the palace. And then I'm interjecting here saying, well, maybe internally, but what he says to the girls is that the wandering woman is fine for him. Mm -hmm. He's not going to move into the palace, but we are assuming that since he does do it, he's already maybe decided internally that he will. Um, But then Mick goes, he needs to be in the palace to meet Tuon later. Those dice started when he was following Millie Skane. But if you look into what was happening the chapter before that, the girls were meeting with the Windfinders, and on the way to that meeting, Avienda suggested that they should use Matt's Taverin nature to help them find the bowl. I think the dice started when Avienda suggested he help the girls find the bowl of the winds. So in the recent set of chapters, like the last podcast, the dice started up again, and you guys were wondering why. I think it's because the Sean Chan have left Tanchico or Amador and are on their way to Ibudar. These dice keep rattling around in Matt's head until the wall falls on him during the Sean Chan invasion. His broken leg traps him in the pla- in the palace until he meets Tuon. So, and that only happens in Winter's Heart. Sorry, no Matt in the next book. Um, I'll be keeping an eye out on the start and stop of Matt's dice from, from here on as I read along again with you guys to see if I can confirm this theory. Hmm. I like that. That's, I really like that. That's a long it's game, It's never occurred eh? to me that Matt's dice 
yes, that Matt's dice rolling could be triggered by something that's happening somewhere else. Yeah. I'm always looking at Matt's immediate vicinity. Mm. But, I mean, that was such a good link to make. Like, yes, it start, they start rolling in Matt's head while he's following Millie Skane through the streets. But it could be triggered by what happened in the previous chapter where Avienda said, oh, we should use Matt. Cue dice. Yeah. And then they mm. start rolling. Um, which is great. Yes, Mick, thank you. I'm also going to be looking out for that to see if there's external things happening in parallel that could be triggering this stuff. Listen, eh? you, you, read a, you read something for 20 years and you talk about it almost every day and you record podcasts and you still learn new stuff <laughs> every time. Like, I'd never considered that. Uh, me neither. And this is why our listener contributions are oh, so crucial. I, I love that. Better than callbacks. Hashtag better than callbacks. There yeah. you go. <laughs> make, make that trend on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Strap in because next up we have Gerald who is on an absolute tear. Um, ooh. So Gerald across numerous emails have sent me, has sent me the following. Um, in, the, in the age of legends, um, the Aiel were peaceful servants. You know, the Dashane Aiel. They wouldn't step on an ant. Then after the breaking, they split into the Tuatha Anne and the super warriors living in the desert, which he abbreviates SWLD. Uh, and then after these books, the SWLDs turn into the world police. Insert Team America meme here. Uh, but he was just really? saying that's a cool journey for them over 3,000 years, like going from like totally subservient to splitting up and then later becoming like the actual world police uh, at Rand's uh, command. Um, then Gerald also says there was a comment about how the Saladar emissaries to the Dragon Reborn numbered nine, and that it was a great honor because even a king would not get more than three or four. Yet in the Great Hunt, there were heaps of Aes Sedai sent up to Feldara. Mm. Surely that was because the Amulet Seat went there, so she needed the Hall and other sycophants to be there, and maybe she was just up there officially for a visit, but in reality, because of Rand, Moraine, and the Dragon Reborn situation, mm-hmm. um, but that was a secret. So nine is a heap of Aes Sedai for a general embassy-like visit. So if I can paraphrase Gerald's musings here, why were so many Aes Sedai sent to Feldara in the first place, if three or four is you know, plenty of honor for a king? And what did the in-world characters make of it? Um, because Lord Agumar is not even the king of, um, of Shinar, right? He's just, he's just one of the lords. Mm. So... Yeah, it is. I mean, it could be early book weirdness yeah. where Robert Jordan didn't necessarily think too much about the size of the Aes Sedai delegation, but lining that up with the fact that Swan went herself, right? Yeah, has, I can, it I has to have something to do because with, it's Rand. Yeah, it has to be like yes. it, it, Moraine told her, sent her one of those pigeons seven months in advance. That was, but and, that was a secret. So, what is she telling to the other Aes Sedai that are coming along with her? I mean, wasn't this just after the Trollocs tried to invade? It was just after that battle in, in uh, Tarwin's Gap where Rand yeah. caused all that shit. So there was a major commotion. There was a, a major attack coming through, and maybe, maybe. that was the excuse. Um, all right, then. Matt being in the palace, isn't that the place where he meets Tion and kidnaps Tion? Um, so more reasons for being in there. Uh, this echoes Mick's observation from before, yeah. right? Oh, he kidnaps Chuan, so maybe yeah, that's why Thailand would also want to like hide and obfuscate her in, her involvement with Matt at all. Um, then Gerald's vote is for the kin being the ones trying to kidnap Elaine and Nynaeve. The stupid length of time and the lengthy description that RJ wrote for their walk, walk back from the kin meeting is the reason for me. Mm-hmm. Then, oh, Gerald, a man after my own heart. <laughs> a pedantic point about the creation of the boar. I thought that Bademon and Mirren were trying to get access to the true power, yes. not experiment with the true power, as you said. My bad, I said that. In Rand's viewings of the past, we get this information. 
Mirren had said today was the day. She said she had found a new source of the one power. Female Aes Sedai and male Aes Sedai would be able to tap the same source, no separate halves. What men and women could do united would be even greater now that there would be no differences. And today, she and Bedamon would tap it for the first time. The last time men and women worked together wielding a different power. Today. <laughs> even goes Shadow Rising, page 438. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thanks, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> that is comprehensive, yes. Then Gerald commenting on another listener's comment. A comment on Jacob's comment on Kalandor and if Rand had a plan to use it to trap Moradin. Commentception. <laughs> Commentception. <laughs> Gerald reckons Rand totally planned on using Kalandor as a trap for Moradin. Now, he's written a bit more stuff there, but I'm going to keep some of the mystery alive and not elaborate on it too much, but we'll, we'll get there. Then another valid point from Gerald, closing the waygates. Instead of having to travel all around the whole world, finding and closing waygates, why not just target the ones in the blight? Quickly travel there, grab a Ventasaurus leaves and bug out. Done. No more Shadowspawn using the ways to move about. Yeah. Too easy? One does Question not mark. simply walk into <laughs> the, blight. the blight. Yeah, I, I was, was gonna absolutely going to say exactly <laughs> that same thing. You, you, you are aware that there are these worms cruise around there and all these yeah, other but loyal's got an ashaman that can make gateways yeah make a gateway into a worm's gut <laughs> and kill it in the process yeah sort it <laughs> <laughs> no but it, i mean there are probably it's probably not that simple yes that's true and also mm, yeah. you don't want dark friends or you know paid and fain or anyone else using it yeah and those those ashaman look they're already like teetering on the verge of insanity and going to the dark. You don't want to have them captured up in there and being turned against the light. Mm. There's a lot of risks to no, do that. That. The, that is one thing, but also give give the dark a little bit of something. I mean, they need to no. move around. There needs to <laughs> no be a Philly. story. There needs to be something. Like if you just, Down, if you just quickly <laughs> eliminate all their transport and like, what is it then? They're just sitting ducks, sitting ducks in the blight protected by big ass worms. <laughs> Gerald also sent in another voice note. Hey team, it's me again. Um, I was just thinking about the AEL societies that they have and wondering how you gain admission to them. Like uh, the knife hands, for example. Do you have to chop a watermelon in half with your hands or something before you're allowed in them? Um, the maidens of the sphere, are they all women? Obviously they are. But does that mean... All the women are in the Maidens of the Spear. So when two clans or whatever come up to fight each other, the women wouldn't fight each other. They just go around poking holes in the blokes from the other clan. Um, that's my current thoughts. Yes, let's discuss this. So that's Gerald basically asking two questions. The Aiel societies, how do you gain entry? I can only imagine that each society has their own... Um, their own rituals and stuff. The yeah. idea of like knife hands having to slice things with their hands as the entry ritual. <laughs> hilarious. They have to karate um, chop things. One... <laughs> we can hold only on, imagine hold on. what the stone very, dogs have to do. There's a very simple answer for this one. What? Uh -huh. They have a sorting hat for the men and all the women go to the the <laughs> the maidens automatically. There's just one society. So yeah. they got this big ash hat that they chuck on their heads and then they shout out Stone Dog and everyone cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the wheel of time was classified as young adult fiction exactly sorting hats it's a it's actually a sorting hat is a tongue reel from the age of legends mm. sorting tongue reel, a sorting Ooh, tongue -reel. An archway 
you walk through an archway and you get given your your we can build on this theory time nobody nobody knows it's one of the secrets of the IEL. um one of the not so secrets of the IEL is gerald's other question in his voice note which is so do the IEL warrior societies just not fight each other in battle and i think the answer to that is a pretty simple no they just don't stone dogs don't fight stone dogs maidens don't fight maidens right am i misremembering no you're not misremembering society comes before clan so like blood feuds and that sort of stuff is set yeah. aside for um, for warrior societies. Mm. And as we learned in the books, the way that people, that the Aiel dress show things like warrior society, mm. clan. Um, mm. They all look the same to me. For, for, only for the trained eye, not for the rand eye. No, no. no <laughs> Don't be that hands. one. That was a shadow dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then, not to be left out, Rowan sent in a voice note too, and that goes a little what? something like, this. Hello all, and thank you, Billy, for your camping trip, which allowed me to, to catch up uh, to the podcast as I have been lagging behind. Um, well, firstly, fuck you guys, because you completely undercut uh, all of my uh, big fanfare. That was going to be my favorite moment from last time, because I thought you were all going to go for my leave. And I was going to become like the hero that I am and uh, champion Elaine uh, and her amazing put down of the Aes Sedai. What I will do, though, is highlight in particular uh, the favorite moment being when she uh, puts Miradal in her place and actually like just takes control using logic uh, to put all the Aes Sedai uh, under her control. Uh, to me, that's the, the best moment of it all. Uh, as great as it was uh, seeing the reaction of the kin, I think that uh, that moment of her realizing that she can actually just take control, to me, is, is my favorite moment. Um, and now I am about to run out of time. So, uh, Maybe I'll speak again on something else. Maybe not. It's basically just Rowan being bummed that we totally stepped on his favorite moment from the last episode because he was <laughs> thinking we would pick Nynaeve and he was picking Elaine putting the, the um, Aes Sedai in their place. So that's Sorry, Rowan dude. basically just choosing exactly my favorite moment. Welcome to the party. Two weeks later, Rowan. <laughs> hey, he's at the party. That's what's important. <laughs> I, I should not shame Rowan. No, Rowan, thank you for your voice note. Please send in more, and I will not have any kind of disparaging tones next time I respond. We'll leave that to me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 will <you> take care <laughs> of that? <laughs> okay, that's it for listener contributions. So let's rattle off previously on Blood and Ashes. Matt moves into the Terrace and Palace and is quite pleased with his rooms. When Elaine and Nynaeve return from the kin, he tells them they will always have a set of bodyguards with them when they leave the palace. And much to his surprise, they are enthusiastic about it. They ask Matt, Nalesia, and Tom and Julian to stake out the kin. The men do that, but when nothing happens, they return to the palace. Matt finds a note from Tyler in his room saying she expects to have him for dinner, so he promptly locks his door and goes to bed. He hears her try the door later and laugh when she finds it locked. The next day, he arranges for Oliver to move into his rooms to act as a human shield against Thailand's advances. They spend two more days staking out the kin and are joined by Bagita. On Matt's third morning in the palace, he wakes up with the dice rolling in his head. 
Thailand arranges for Rizal to entertain Olver so she can have Matt to herself. She forces him at knife point to have sex with her. After the fact, she leaves Matt some coin and a festival mask. Matt and the gang set out for the kin once again and are joined by Beslin. On the way to the kin, they're attacked by beggars, which they fend off. When yet more beggars join the fray. When they get to the kin's house, Beslin tells Matt he's glad Matt is sleeping with her, or with his mother, and totally unnerves Matt. And as soon as he sees a woman leave uh, the kin's abode, he gets up to follow her, shouting vague instructions to Nalesian. Rianne Corley gives the order for the kinswoman that don't wear the red belt to move out to their farm for a while and lay low. Later, Elaine is facing a trial of sorts from the other rebel Aes Sedai in the palace. Much to her indignation, they threaten to limit her movement to the palace and even muse on spanking her with a slipper. And the same for Nynaeve, all apparently because she was endangering a secret, the secret of the kin, which the Aes Sedai knew about all along. When Merrill's maid arrives with a letter from Jacob Carradine addressed to Elaine proclaiming that Morghese is safe in the Fortress of the Light and that Carradine would be honoured to escort Elaine to Andor to take her place at her mother's side, Elaine has had enough. She immediately pulls rank on all the Aes Sedai and reminds them that A, she was sent by the Amelin, who they are all supposedly obeying, and B, she is stronger than all of them, so they should be deferring to her. In fact, she tells them that from here on out they will be taking their orders from herself and Nynaeve, and the Aes Sedai are shocked but quickly fall in line. We cut to Mogidian, who is now also in Ibudar and spots Nynaeve boarding a boat. She rushes to an inn to attack Nynaeve from a distance, but on her way is reminded of Moradin's hold on her mind trap. So when she's about to bail fire Nynaeve's boat cabin from the roof of the inn she's in, and a bunch of pigeons take flight, she fears Moradin has arrived and her beam of bail fire goes askew and she hits the middle of the boat and some of Matt's men. She quickly runs downstairs back to the sedan chair and rushes away, ready to take her frustration out on Ispen and Falion. Suddenly trapped in the sunken boat at the bottom of the bay, Nynaeve tries to escape but slowly starts to drown. She finally, for the first time, surrenders completely in that moment, channels enough to break the boat apart and swim feebly to surface. She's fished out of the water by none other than Lan. He tells her how things stand with Morel, but Nynaeve sets him straight. She will marry him immediately and she will take him as her warder. End of discussion. Elaine and the Aes Sedai march over to the kin and set them straight as well. Elaine Sedai is in charge now. She asks Rianne how many women are in the kin and the answer shocks the Aes Sedai at around 1,700. When she asks Rianne's age, which also it also shocks the Aes Sedai when she says she is 412. Also, Matt waltzes in to tell them he's found the bowl of the winds. And that brings us to chapter 32 called Sealed to the Flame. Why don't you break the seal with our first summary, please, Joe? <coughs> Fine. If you insist. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad. Guess what? Elida is having a wet dream. She is, uh, she is sitting on her throne. Rand is kneeling next to her, all cowed. Uh, she's got all the rebels on their knees, uh, begging for mercy. Uh, she's going to spare Egwene because of her power, but sorry, Lelaine, Romanda, Sherim, they're going to be stilled and flogged and God knows what else. It's her dream. She can do whatever she wants. Um, <laughs> Elviorin is speaking to her with reverence. That's Then you know it's a dream. <laughs> Elviorin's mm-hmm. like, yes, mother, no, mother. But then, of course, just then, Elviorin, in reality, shakes Elida by the shoulders with a, wake up, you fool woman. And it's so good. So good. And she's like, what did you say? I said, oh, wake up, mother. Well, I don't think that's what it was. But okay. I think <laughs> her reaction was a little bit more like, what? Exactly. So anyway, she wakes her up. It's in the middle of the fucking night. It's like early hours. Um, because Kovarla Beldine has returned. This is the first time I've heard this woman's name in my life. With mm-hmm. news about Rand's failed capture. So... We now know, like, because we know this whole book is like eight days. So 
they we're only now in chapter 32 is elida finding out about it but it's only literally i think it's been five days or something since it actually happened or seven days seven days that's it so seven days later she's she's finally hearing about it elviorin's heard about it before by the way she's just been keeping information from her um so they until now El, um elida has not known anything about the monumental clusterfuck that happened in the attempting to kidnap uh, rand uh Kavarla is then shown in uh, after elida is of course allowed to cover herself a bit because she's just woken up and she gives her the breakdown there's Aiel. they were Aiel there they were wise ones fighting there were these men in black coats that are called ashaman rand got free i said i were taken prisoner blah 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 blah, blah. We know what happened, all right? So she thinks to herself, yeah, that only 12 of the 39 Aes Sedai that she sent out have returned. And I've written here, lol, because that is hysterical. <laughs> uh, 12 out of 39. So the others are dead and or captured. That's a huge number. So I've never heard of Kovarla before. Uh, we know about Galena and we know about the, the others that captured her. Where was this Kovarla the whole time? Do you Eve 39 I jump up. I can go get my previous notes where I wrote no, down every okay. one of those witches' names. <laughs> and I can check if it's in there because I did a lot of study and no one appreciated yeah. that day where I was like, I've got all of these witches' names now. I've got them on my list. <laughs> all right. um, oh, so I'll, I'll go back into my notes and see if she's in there. All right. Go have a look at your notes. I'll continue and then we'll we'll jump back. Give we me a, a moment. I think, I think no, she... <laughs> Leave him, Bart. Uh, <laughs> let him be. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so I assume it's just because she's not important. She's just one of the survivors. That's all. All the, the yeah. major players have been caught. So anyway, she's here. Uh, and 11 others who are not to be named. 11 other witches. Uh, Gowan's back too, much to Elida and every reader's displeasure. But he's outside the city as the guard wouldn't let him cross into the, into the city. They, they know his face. Elida doesn't like you, dude. You're staying outside. So anyway, she's like, damn, that kid. He's, he's hard to kill. Um, Elida tells Kavarla. Hey, what? Kavarla Baldin yes. escaped at Dumai as well. She is on my list. She is one of the names. Is she what? Ajay, what, what? What information do you have of her? We already know that. She's in my list. That means she's bad. I don't need to look <laughs> okay. any further. She's just she's on your a, list. the Tower Embassy list. Thirty-nine okay. in total. Okay. Well, there's only twelve of them left in the tower. Well, they have returned to the tower. So, all right. Now we know absolutely nothing else about Kovarla. Um, nope. Elida tells her after... <laughs> Sorry, Moritz. Elida tells Kovarla after she gets all the information to, to take herself and the other 11 Aes Sedai to one of the bridge towns and, and wait there. She chooses a bridge town that has no inn, so they'll have to sleep in barns. Because even at 2 o'clock in the morning, she's a raging bitch. Um, Elida is now in a mood, obviously. She's uh, her default position, I imagine. And taking it out, or trying to take it out on Elviorin, who is unfazed. Elviorin is Zen Elviorin at this point. She's ready to make her move and tells her that uh, launching a rescue mission, this is Elviorin, tells her now that launching a rescue mission is a dumb idea um, because that's the first thing that, that Elida thinks of and recaps what Kavarla said because Elida wasn't really listening. Uh, she kind of just like phased or zoned out while she was talking about the ashaman and she's like listen you weren't listening there are men who can channel and there are hundreds of them and elida's like wait what I, I didn't hear that part what do you mean hundreds like that's impossible there's no way 
Um, and uh, Elida, I mean, Elviaran's trying to explain to her, like, can you imagine them just, they know how to travel. If they just traveled right into the middle of the tower and started laying waste to everyone, like, but they figure, look, if Rand wanted revenge, he would have attacked already. It's been seven days. He would have had the element of surprise and used it. So I think we're, we're cool. They're not going to do that. I suppose if it was left up to uh, Mazrim Taim, he would do it in a flash. But Rand is in charge. So anyway, they, the, the Yashaman are an issue. And there's lots of them. And then they remember that, oh shit, <laughs> didn't Elida's also sent Tovin and a bunch of other Aes Sedai to attack the Black Tower? Because back then they thought there was only a handful of men. They, could, they didn't believe that there were hundreds of them. But now it's been confirmed. Um, and they thought it would be easy peasy just to go and eradicate these men who can channel. So Elida's like, well, fuck, we've got to tell these women, like, this is a bad idea. We've got to pull them out. She orders LVRN to pen a letter, like right now, recalling them. But LVRN's like, listen, no, that's not going to happen. It's too late. They've probably already got off the ship in Andor. Uh, they might already be there. There's no way a pigeon, and we know about the pigeons, are going to get there in time to stop this. So she gets right up in Elida's face at this point, And this is like, she makes her move. She makes her power play. Elida turns around to continue the conversation, and LVRN's in her face. She's like, there's no way this message is going to reach. Tovin is the is the is the the red in charge that's been sent to the to the Black Tower, and she calls Elida by name. She says, "Listen, Elida, this is not going to work." And this is when Elida's yeah. fuzzy brain starts kicking in. She's like, "Wait, what? Did she just call me by my name? Did she just tell me to wake up, full woman, <laughs> five minutes ago?" And all this shit is like, "What the fuck is going on with LBR?" And so she then lays out the, the trouble that Elida is in. Is like. Listen, once the Hall learns of this failed attack on the Black Tower and the failed capture of Rand, they are going to still you. You know, you are in big shit. Unless, of course, you listen to me and mommy will make everything better. And Elida is just, I think the shock is just too much for her. So she's just letting uh, LVR and take too much control too quickly. She has no response for this whatsoever. She's just basically, well, shocked. I keep saying shocked, but this is the word. So she tells Elida, look, we're going to have to abandon Tovin and the others, uh, Galena and the others taken by Rand. There's no way we can launch you know, a rescue mission for either of those. And do you remember when I, when, when I mentioned that we should increase the tower guard? Don't you think it's a good idea right now as well to do that? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Now, this is something that LVR and said, I don't know what chapter was it, this book, I imagine. Um, that she wanted uh, Elida to do some things, and one of them was to increase the Tower Guard, and I imagine it's because she wants to have more soldiers loyal to her, or she knows of something. I can't remember the... I also wondered, um, is it an opportunity to bring more Dark Friends? That's what I thought, tower? yeah. Much like um, what happens in Andor and Camelot? Yeah. So that's what I thought. I thought David she wanted you know, Dark Friends soldiers, uh, soldiers under her control. Yeah, yeah. Which is what I imagine. Dark friends or not, they'd be under her control. Yes. 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 And lastly, she've also, she's also got some ideas for, uh, for searching the rooms of two Aes Sedai, Josane and Adelorner. Adelorna. That's it. They are both greens who have been hiding Angriel. One of them found an Angriel. Josane found one and never told anybody. But Adelorna actually took one from the store and stole it and is keeping it for herself. And then she must reward three other Aes Sedai... Dore's, Kiyoshi, and Ferelian, brown, grey, and yellow, in that order, to cast suspicion on them as the ones who ratted out the other two. So she's trying to clearly, and I mean, Elida sees this immediately, that she's trying to cause you know, tension between the Ajas. 
just uh, sowing division within the tower, which is her mission from Masana. So, yeah, it's all falling into place, but for Elida. I mean, for LVR in that is, not for Elida. Oh, yeah. So Elida tries to question this advice, but is promptly shut down and uh, tells um, LVR in she will do what she is told. Like, there's a line where she goes, just tell me you will do what you are told. And Elida says the words, I will do what I am told. And she can't believe she's saying it. I'm just... It's pretty rough, eh? Yeah, like, <laughs> but it's happening. Um, she's still completely incredulous about what's happening with Yachia. So with an outline now for future plans, she's going to stand openly and declare that Rand is the dragon and bring him to heel. This is another one of LVRN's plans. Like, we've got to do it. We've got to, we've got to come out in the open, like, say something one way or the other about this dragon reborn. Because they haven't actually have an official position yet to the whole world. Mm. And at some point, we're going to have to tell the hall about these Ashaman. <laughs> like, I'll, that, I'll leave that to my own discretion as to when to let them in on that little secret. And she leaves. Elida is left there feeling sick she's absolutely nauseous she can't get over how she was manipulated and she throws some mm-hmm. shit around the room uh breaking things her little cat sculpture no, she, she breaks her her sweet punch glass and then the whole picture all oh, right pictures yeah <laughs> pictures don't last long here yeah. pitching a fit yeah she's pitching a fit so that's where the expression <laughs> comes from <laughs> but uh she's had this foretelling she's like no wait you know she's trying to get back because remember she did have a foretelling that she is going to be mm-hmm. the one she's got certain glory and la 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 and she will you know glory will be hers and she will make lvr and pay <laughs> for those of you do you want to hear the foretelling i've got, I've it, got it right yeah so do i Fort- okay good man <laughs> foretelling refresher the white tower will be whole again except for remnants cast out and scorned whole and stronger than ever Rand Althor will face the Amaralyn seat and know her anger. The Black Tower will be rent in blood and fire, and the sisters will walk its grounds. This I foretell. So, yeah, you can read that any which way yeah, you want. All of that's true. <laughs> it is true. Exactly. It is true. It's just not true. But none of it, it has anything to do with her. <laughs> no, not See, at all. The, the, the problem was never with Elida's foretelling. The yeah. problem is with her interpretation of everything that she thinks. Totally. She's Isn't just so in her own ass, it's not even funny. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, her foretelling about the key to the last battle being uh, part of the Andoran royal line or something, she also misread. She doesn't know about Tigraine and Rand's lineage, mm-hmm. so she thought it was something to do with Elaine and Gawain, so she attached herself to the house tracker. So another foretelling that she totally misread, just assumed, um, and is like she's actively trying to kill Gowan. You know, like yes. she's not even following that foretelling that closely. Like, how do you know it's not Gowan that's the key? You don't. But Gowan isn't a truckant. He's a yes, he is. Galad is Galad isn't. Sorry, mm. my bad. Yeah, but you're gonna understand. Gowan is really annoying. So <laughs> <laughs> everyone wants him dead. Um, but. But yeah, so her whole life is a lie. But she doesn't know it quite yet. And then she gets collared. <laughs> then he gets, goes from <laughs> worse to worse. Anyway. So anyway, she's, she's just remembered. She's, she's woken up a bit now. Um, and she's remembered her foretelling. So she's like, no, fuck it this. I'm, I'm going to take charge again. This was a momentary lapse. I, she can't, I can't believe that I let LVRN get the better of me. But she, I'm going to make her fucking pay. So she starts making plans to to disappear LVRN with a diabolical grin on her face. So yeah, she's now going, making plans. And it says like, if, if LVRN could see that smile on her face, she would be weak at the knees or shit her pants or something. I can't remember. Anyway, that's what she thinks. 
So we jump outside to Elviorin. And she's going, that went way easier than I thought it would. She really thought that she would have to fight more with, with, uh, with Elida, but she didn't. So she's pretty stoked with herself. And she's, uh, she's got all the eyes and the ears reporting to her and keeping a lot from Elida, as I mentioned before. Um, she's got Masana as her patron. Uh, so she's, she's feeling great. She's feeling in charge. And I'm thinking, really? You're, you're in direct contact with a Forsaken and you think that's a good position to be in? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, so yeah, none of these two, neither of these two, either Avyarin or Elida actually has, uh, they, they could fall from grace at any moment. So we jump to the next morning and Elida has done as Elviarin told her. She's raided those apartments, found those Angriel, ratted those women out, done the, uh, praised the other three and the whole tower is now on edge as planned. Um, so she's gone now to... Sien, Siani, shit, these names. There's so many vowels. I know. Sien, I know. <laughs> Sien, a white sitter, to get her to start an investigation, a secret investigation. The consequences: death and disaster for the whole tower. Thunder rumbles outside. Elida's plan is to use Sien to investigate treason. She's whole, whole excuse is that someone helped Swan and Leanne escape when they were dis- deposed. And it must have been an inside job. It must have been sitters or Ajas or some Aes Sedai from the inside helped them escape. And Sian's like, oh, that makes, that makes pretty good sense. I would imagine so myself. Um, and she wants her to follow the clues no matter how high up the ranks she goes. Even to the keeper herself. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I wrote you a subtle mm-hmm. elider. Very subtle. Um, it it wasn't uh, it was actually too subtle. <laughs> Cian doesn't get it at all. After Elida leaves, no. Cian misses all the cues about go to the sitter uh, and and find her. Well, go to the the keeper, uh, and she's mm. like all the secrecy. What could it mean? Because like, you know Elida was very uh, uneasy while she was saying it. She was very nervous. It's very weird, and she's very secretive and blah blah blah. So she thinks the only thing it can be is a secret way of telling her. To find the Black Aja. So it's a Black Aja hunt all over again. Hey, everybody. Mm-hmm. More Black Aja hunts. So she's like, fuck, I can't hunt the Black Aja by myself. I'm going to need some help. So she has an old buddy that she goes to. So she heads directly to her old friend and red sitter, Pavara Tazanovni. Tazanovni? She's Russian. Um, Pavara, when I read that name, because I know that name, I thought, oh, shit, she's Black Aja. You know, she went straight to the Black Aja because I thought that would be a cool plot point. But then in my investigations, realized that this is not the case at all. Pavara is actually no. awesome. <laughs> Her, She's pretty great. She is very cool. Her, She's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, and you remembered the name, but for the wrong reasons. Uh, so her, apparently the backstory of Pavara, her whole family was killed by dark friends in one day. Like aunties, uncles, brothers, sisters, parents, everybody. So Sian thinks like, well, if there's anybody who's going to want to hunt the Black Archer, it's going to be this woman. And they were friends back in the day. So she's like, cool, I want to like rekindle this. So we've got a white sitter going into the red sitter apartments. So, but of course, getting there now is not very easy. All the Archers are on high alert. Uh, Everybody's wearing their fringed shawls and displaying their colors all proudly like peacocks walking through the red apartments. Uh, While normally unpleasant is now terrifying, but she gets shown there. Uh, to the apartments by another red and uh, this meeting of theirs reignites an old friendship and kickstarts the whole storyline in the books where they end up finding the Saladar spies instead they start looking for the Black Aja and looking for weird (laughs) uneasy people 
notice the Saladar spies that were sent and actually eventually get noticed by other sisters and it starts a whole thing where they root out the Black Aja. It's great, and but we'll get there. Um, and that's how the chapter ends because now they are on a mission and she's found her partner in crime. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Look, Jody. Firstly, I don't understand why you didn't like this chapter. <laughs> Elida is I like, I like handled I like, hate, like a absolute child. She is just put in her place yes. by the dark yeah, exactly. so well. She, she's not an Amaralyn. She's not even worthy of the 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 A of the word. She, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, I loved it. I loved that chapter. I yeah, loved because, the, because the dark, she's going because for. the black Aja took over the tower. I'm, I'm very stoked for you, Vili. But uh, it's like replacing one evil with another evil. It's if No, no. Look, and she also launches another black Aja investigation. Well, there you go. And willingly and so unknowingly. LVR and actually, <laughs> actually uh, initiates a black Aja search accidentally. by Not Alviara. Yes, um, Alviara tells Elida. Uh, Elida and Elida through the chain of events um, goes to start an investigation because of what Elviara does. And that investigation gets misinterpreted as a black Aja hunt, which is bad for Elviara. So it comes back to bite her in the ass. Yes. is what I'm saying. Yes. Oh. Yes. Good chapter. Very, right. very good. I'm starting chapter. to enjoy this chapter more. I also there really liked it. Mm. it. It is. It, I must say, like, I get it. Like it is so tedious when you read that woman's name. <laughs> it's it's like, word. you, you got to go, you got to read some really stupid stuff now yeah. of a stupid mm. woman that's obsessed with a stupid palace in the clouds. Um, but I mean, we also have discussed the fact that she has spent some time with our old mate Fane and mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. could have very much driven her insanity to peaks and troughs. Well, she is acting insanely. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, she is willing to allow the Argus to be driven apart by following her keeper's direct orders, who's telling her, you know, she must do as she's told, um, without thinking about, like, the, the repercussions. You know, like, she's just saving her own ass. She still thinks that she's going to be the best Amelin ever, and she is actively being manipulated to break apart the Argus. The blue Argus is already gone. Mm. You know, like, she is so delusional. She has no concept of what's going on. So she is definitely acting insane. So Fane or Mordeth took her, um, her existing character flaws and just played them like her ego and her hubris and he just used it to turn her into an absolute loose cannon. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for me, it's like my remembering Elida. So you, you, I go back through this and I'm like, okay, that's a terrible woman. That's what you remember about her. Mm. But sort of, okay, she's a powerful, terrible woman that gets stuff right that we don't like. But in this reread for me and this, this to, like really focusing, because I think in the past, you just want to get past her chapters. Like, oh, I don't want to read this. Mm. And um, now it's coming clear that she is actually such a child, such a amateur that just played some political cards correctly in one go. She is certainly like pitiful, you know, mm. like you almost, you feel like, wow, yeah, she is just, she's so gone. And then like Joe mentioned earlier as well, like her fate ultimately is also quite shit. So <laughs> she really gets put through the ringer. So, I mean, she started off unlikable. Mm. She certainly gave herself plenty or gave us plenty of ammunition to throw at her. 
Um, but then, yeah, she really, like Vinny was saying now, like she's gone off the deep end, right? Like she's she's been more deft. She's been LVR and she's been cracking under the pressure of not succeeding. This failure of her <laughs> embassy, she's saying like not even during the Trolloc Wars had they suffered such a defeat. So, Joe, you're talking mm. about the 39 Aes Sedai that are now only 12. It's not since the Trolloc War. It's not even during the Trolloc War yeah. did such a bad defeat happen. Um, so, yeah, she is losing all control. And, and all it's, it's not over yet because Tovin and the other sisters haven't even got to the Black Tower yet. It's going to get even worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and basically abandoning them. Yeah. Okay, like, shit, what are we, we, we're not going to get there in time. Just... Just oh, abandon them to their fate. Like that there for me is just the worst. That it goes against every fiber of being Aes Sedai. And again, being exactly. a red sister. A red sister would be so, so protective over other sisters. Like as and a she point of feminism, maybe I would rather say. Totally. But she doesn't even click to that. She's just like, it's all me. She doesn't me, resist. Me. She doesn't yeah. even resist. She's not even fighting back. Like, how can we do that? We must save this. Like, nothing. Just like, no, they're dead now. Forget about those. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, how can she think that ultimately what she's doing is the best thing for the tower if, like, she's making calls like that and, you know, driving the wedge between the arches? Yeah. She's she's gone. Like, even after LVRN, like, if LVRN's in her face right then and she's she doesn't know how to answer... She will just agree to everything. And then LVRN leaves and then she'll go, well, fuck that. I'm going to go, I'm going to make my own plans to go rescue them anyway. But she doesn't. Still, even <laughs> afterwards, under no pressures, even the next day, she's just covering her own ass. Yeah. That's all it is. Saving face. Now, um, I hate this chapter else? again. Uh, Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, that dream that it ride. starts with, <laughs> that dream it starts with is awful. Like, I mean, just, well, <laughs> yeah. not awful, but oh, like, that's so laughable. so delusional rand kneeling meekly like or quietly at her throne Elviaran being meek mm. Egwene crying and begging yeah you know like there's a fourth oath on the oath rod that she's considering you know to be to remain loyal to the amulet seat she's already in her dream abolished the blue arja yeah. which i don't know has she done in the real world yes. as well like there are no blues being... i think it's just by default she's taken the blue stripe off her stole oh has she in real life? Or was that just how she's always appearing in Talaran Riyadh? Or no, I think that's, that's. I think that's how she was appearing in Talaran Riyadh. That she took the blue star stripe off there. I don't think it was in. It's in mentioned the, so many times. I don't know. World. If it's, yeah, if mm. it's in the real world or not. Just. A, but I mean, it in practical. Either way, re, you know. <laughs> mm. it is. It's it is a reflect, reflection of her state of mind and thought of the blue Aja. Like, well, there's no more blues yeah, and, left and in she, the tower, so. Mm. No, none of Practically, them Practically, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that Elida asks immediately where Galena is, mm. knowing obviously that the kidnapping had happened and Galena is in charge. Yeah. But that strengthens my opinion that the Rand kidnapping was um, an Elida plan, mm -hmm. not necessarily a, a Black Archer plan, unless Galena herself had suggested it to Elida. I think we've hinted at this before. I might have hinted at it where like, so what if, you know, he resists? Can we kidnap him maybe and sort of make Elida think this is her plan mm. because she refers to it at, at different times. Hmm. Sort of makes me feel like it's her brainchild. Second low is the clock strikes second low when uh, Alviaran is waking Elida up. That's like Sparrowfart. That's middle of the night, morning, like 2, 3 a.m. Yeah, that's what I figured. That's why I said 2 a.m. Yeah. 
actually a whole bunch of times. Days are broken into segments. When a certain time is reached, chimes ring. So in the White Tower, first rise is the very early morning before dawn, followed by second and third rise. High is around mid-morning, and mid-morning chimes are also rung. <laughs> Sounds like a Monty Python skit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Prime and trine are in the afternoon, and after supper comes full and last, meant that all novices were supposed to be quiet and in bed. Second low occurs in the small hours of the morning. Hmm. Why would they need a second low chime if everyone's sleeping? Change of the guard? Yeah, probably. Time it's to like wake a, up Emerlin like and fuck uh, with him. <laughs> could be, could yeah. be. But it, it always reminds me uh, whenever there's early morning shenanigans going on to, and I've referenced this before, that um, Robin Hood cartoon, the Disney one, the mm. old one, where the guy yells out every hour the time yeah. and everything's well and there's no one to listen to him. <laughs> um, let's see, what else did I have here? Uh, Galena also thinks immediately that Catherine would be in charge after Galena. <laughs> She's also a black archer. Yep. Um, <laughs> when Korvar, uh, Kovarla refers to the missing Aes Sedai ahead of, um, ahead of her in the picking order, she says... I stand highest among those who, and then she trails off. Who what? Like who escaped? Who survived? Yeah. Kovala is saying I stand highest among those. Oh, maybe who survived? Yes, who came back? Okay. All yeah, right. That's why we didn't know about her because between the thirty-nine, she was nowhere near the highest. But <laughs> circumstances. She's never changed. mentioned. Yeah. Because in truth, there are only two Isodai that's killed in that um, event. Yes. And a couple stilled. Three. A couple stilled that got healed at the end by Darwin Flynn. Uh, three were stilled, and all three was healed by Dharma, and the 12 that escaped, and the rest were just captured. Yeah. Actually, no. Galena escaped, and uh, Katerine Alradin also escaped. Well, escaped the battle, but Galena got taken by the Aiel. Yes, she got taken. No, wait. Galena escaped, didn't she? And then she escaped the face. battle, but she was she was captured again by the Aiel. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Well, speaking of uh, Galena, Elida had given Galena direct orders to have Gowan killed. Like it's not it's not even that she's just disappointed, like oh, Gowan didn't die on that. It's like oh. Galena failed in that task as well. You know, like she was given the task to have Gowan killed, which is pretty fucking rough. Um, well, that's that's why she gets what she's getting and why she deserves it. Totally. Why well, no you know, is that is that more death working on her, having people killed? You know, she's an Aes Sedai, yeah. she's not a dark friend. Having people murdered so. for no reason is Moritz, you're pretty rough. making excuses for this woman. I, I don't like it. I am. Someone has to. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But it's pretty wild that now the younglings are not even allowed back in the city. They stood up for her. They yeah, fought totally. for Jeez. her. And Dumai's Wells would have been an even bigger disaster if they hadn't, you know, sort of stopped everyone and said, okay, circle the wagons. We're going to make a stand up here. You know, like they would have just been absolutely overrun. Yeah. Galena was also ordered by Elida to start making Althor supple. So even like the beatings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Also Elida. <laughs> pretty rough just you know enforcing my views already <laughs> keep going Morris 
please. Um, okay, I actually enjoyed watching Elviaran's mask of obedience like slowly slipping through the chapter. So first it's like, you weren't listening, mother. And then Elviaran walks right up to her in silence so that when Elida turns around, she's startled to find her standing right there. Hmm. And then Elviaran sits down without asking. Yeah. Um, and eventually she's like standing in front of Elida as well and like straightening her stole around her neck, sort of saying, you don't want to be hung by this or something like that. Yeah. You know, like so threatening. Um, and then, you know, immediately starts setting those tasks and make it, makes her say, I will do as I am told, which is wild. I am uh, of the opinion that if Elida in that moment had given Alviarin any pushback, that Alviarin would have killed her. Alviarin thinks that she's going to be dead in three weeks anyway, so like she's just wringing out of her what she can. So yeah, quite likely. The tower guard that Alviarin asks um, Elida to bolster is led by High Captain Chubain, mm. which is a name I recognize. I'm like, Chubain, that sounds... I've definitely read that name again. And uh, he eventually takes over the younglings after Gawain becomes Egwene's warder. So he and Gawain are actually at odds in the beginning um, until he realizes that Gawain is not there for his job. Uh, he's there to protect Egwene. And when he becomes Egwene's warder, uh, High Captain Chubain or Guard Captain Chubain actually becomes the leader of the younglings. Mm. one more shitty Elida thing is that even in this meeting with Cien, um, she finds a way of being shitty by not offering for Cien to sit down. <laughs> in her own apartments. And comments <laughs> on it like, the, yeah, in her own apartments. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, also, the Reds are the largest Arja. 200 sisters about. That's about a fifth of all the Aes Sedai. But half of them are black Aja, so. <laughs> 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 um pavara sounds cool though for a red she's cheery yeah. she still likes men and uh, apparently she even openly says that the reds could benefit from having waters yeah mm. that got her into some she trouble. is <laughs> she is a yes. um i call her more an orange arja than a red <laughs> uh, the reds are uh, my note here is oh the reds are so fucking tiresome they quite firmly and efficiently discourage friendships outside of their Aja. Lame. <laughs> Indeed. I also have you that Cain trusts Pavara because her family were murdered by dark friends. And I thought, ooh, <laughs> that's flawed logic because a dark yeah. friend would murder their own family. Exactly. That's what I thought. That's why I went on this whole tangent about her being a red before I looked into it. It's like, oh, fuck, she killed her own family. That's, that was my first thought. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> she's red so she must be black so she murdered her own family exactly that's what they do yeah. isn't that right Billy no Jody we no. don't do it deliberately we only do it when we get caught out like right. you gotta cover your tracks I mean the the most important thing is not to be found out like oh. we know what happens to people that's mm-hmm. found out in this world and white cloaks and all yeah. it's only a crime if you get caught yeah and then my last note here, and then we can move on, I promise, is there's the, another reference to the vileness uh, between yeah. Bavara and Cain. Um, and I think it's Bavara that goes, do you think the Black Arja had a hand in that? <laughs> uh, yep. Totally. <laughs> Orchestrated the whole thing. <laughs> All right, I'm done. You guys ready to move on? Yes. Yes, sir. Have been for some time. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 33 is called A Bath. Why don't you bathe us in a lovely summary? Oh. I shall bathe you in a copper tub filled with buckets of warm water and some lavender oil, if you mind. <laughs> yes. 
You're right. Well, it is a bath and it is a rand chapter. Yeehaw, mm. get ready, get strapped in. Because rand is a uh, not so good place. Mm. Um, <laughs> he's, he's having a hard time. And this is post-parent fight, which is, as we know, a planned event. Um, but turned a little bit nasty when the words was used. Baron backing up the Aes and Rand flung him across the room. Mm. And then, now, did I miss something? That did, did this encounter between Min and Ran happen off-page? Which that one? The been... one where they actually have sex? Yes, yes, the, the ravaging episode. It happened, you um, described that scene to us in much embellished detail. Um, <laughs> okay. you, I couldn't even remember it. <laughs> when Min brought the news of Colavier having hung herself. Oh, she comes yes. Into Rand's room. Okay. All right. And then he and he tells her about Herod Fell and they comfort him. Mm. Com- comforting is the word that mm. uh, is referenced a lot. Yes. Anyway, Rand in his state of despair and stink because he hasn't taken a bath in half the book's days um, <laughs> is unweaving his Mask of Mirror special storage spot to have a little look at his two remote control Sangreels. Uh, Angreels that link him to the Sangreels, the remote control statues. And then... They're Angreel con- before we get a correction. <laughs> I was yes, about yes, to say yes, yes, Yeah. Ah, damn it. Anyway, um, he is uh, thinking that it's justified that he had went back and brought them back because, you know, after all, he is the dragon reborn. And there's a lot of him in this couple of chapters now reaffirming to himself that he's the dragon reborn, mm. which is quite interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, he doesn't, now the maidens aren't happy. Um, they've been sending him food. He's been sending everyone away. And even though he has not given the instruction directly that men should be sent away, um, he was upset that she was let in because she surprised him um, by getting in there and bringing in a plate of or a tray of food for him. And Dick actually uh, startles him in that moment. Now, Dream is, Dreams has been coming to Rand from all over the place. Uh, a lot of dead woman faces in his dreams. Uh, so he's in his little depro, all the women around me die mood. And he is um, also, as I mentioned, reminiscing about this big fight with Perrin. And then also one dream that he has Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene all facing him with serene Aes Sedai faces as he's taking with the Black Tower, the White Tower. So I don't know, these dreams, are they any meaning? Because I can't really suck much out of them. I don't think so. It's more like yeah. a reflection of just his inner demons. Now, Cat Swain is also haunting his dreams, but Rand just feels alone, and he's, he's really being a big suki baby at the moment, to the point where he feels that Alana's bond to him is actually comforting. Now, take out of that that you want. Um, for dramatic effect. <laughs> now, Min as I said, has entered the room. Uh, and she's wearing yoga pants and open blouse, <laughs> which is not helping the situation. And um, obviously, Nandera let her in. 
And Min basically just calls him out on his condition. Like, seriously, take a bath, look at yourself, you stink. Okay, and um, but Rand is just so overcome by how he ravaged her and wants to apologize that it's the worst thing that he's ever done. He's lost control when he ripped off her clothes. And uh, he thinks he's a monster. He's totally like being really hard on himself. Um, and also admits to Min that he hears voices in his head or a voice in his head. Is this the first admittance to anyone? Yeah, probably. I think, so. I think so. This is the first admittance that he's hearing a voice in his head. It makes sense that it would be to Min. Mm. Um, so he asks Min's forgiveness and uh, she just to that sort of like puts one and one together and she's like, oh, you fuckwit, is that why you're keeping me <laughs> away? Because you think you've done something bad. I can relate to this. I've, I have done something like this in my life. Um, anyway, uh, she reminds him that what they did was comforting each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's great comforting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But she uh, carries on berating him, uh, thinking that she's had no part to play in it. And um, basically telling him, like, you acting as if I was not even there. And eventually getting so close and in his face that he felt that he's got a channel to protect himself gives him a kick in the shin gets him down to face level i was hoping he was going to get a slap in the face as well but then he was protected by his foul stench and odor which (laughs) drove her a little bit away um now this is where rand admits that he wants to send min away and you know because everyone close to me is going to die and all that um melancholy mood rand stuff but she tells him that he's a fool boy and she has not told him some of the viewings and she can, cannot be sent away because he's in danger. So she drops it that she hasn't told him about half the viewings, but in reality, it's just two that she hasn't told him about. Rand then drops the penny and blurts out that he loves her. And everyone goes, oh, um, but yes, uh, that comes out. But then Min also, um, oh, sorry, uh, also tells her that, you know, but I also love Elaine and I also love Avienda. Um, Min then reminds him that, you know what, you are a heel and Bale has got multiple wives. So what's the problem? And then Rand saying, I'm not a heel and then shuts up. And then, yes, you are. Um, but Min tells him, look, there's no way that I'm going to go. And she also tells him that Elaine Anna Vienda also loves him. So this is going to have to be made to work. Uh, Rand just wants to know how she knows that they love him. But she doesn't answer him on that. And then her reaction to him is, do you think I would go to bed with someone who I don't love? Um, well, yeah, I think Rand has maybe gone lost in his dragon um, mm. ego to think that the people around him don't care, that it's all about him. Um, so I, I like it that Min balances him and brings Big back time. the balance. And uh, are we going to get into it? Because this chapter also, um, in the next chapter, Min brings up the topic of balance. And I, th- mm. I 
think that that is quite apt with the their chapter specifically together at the moment. Yeah. The the balancing topic. So I'm gonna keep keep a keen eye out for that one. Her presence forward certainly brings balance to his life. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, now Min then finally confesses when he pushes Rand pushes her about the viewings, saying like, "Okay, cool, but you said there's all these viewings. Just look, look, there's only really one, and it's about you and another man, and then there's just one man, as if you guys merged into one." And Rand's like, "Oh, that's fantastic news because that means him and Luz will merge into one." And I'm like, bow, bow, "You're doing an Elida at the moment." Do not try and interpret it because you're interpreting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Min then also says, like, look, um, Berylaine has been reminding her and pushing her, like, this sea folk is still waiting for you to come and see them. Like, it's been long enough now. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, he agrees, okay, cool, we got to go and see the sea folk. And she's like, uh-uh, not like that. Like, shit, shave and shower, mate, seriously, brush some teeth. <laughs> get that stuff done um yep uh food was mentioned uh rand then summons a bath and maidens being maidens they so giddy about this uh, change in his uh, attitude and drive from falling out of depressive state rand that they run the bath in themselves and they run in buckets of water and that's an open invitation for all of them to stand and watch him take a bath and wash his hair um and unfortunately min decides for Anne's sake that she's also going to stay and um when he needs to get out of the water uh everyone stands in a circle <laughs> around him. Yes. it's called they, they gather into a watching ring watching <laughs> ring it has a name it's officially named yes. <laughs> it's a it's a maiden thing like when there's one lone naked man we will form a watching ring mm-hmm. anyway um there was comments made while he was bathing about how pretty he is and uh, he would be prettier with a scar but others saying no he doesn't need a scar but anyway um this is when Rand gets out of the bath he gets himself nicely dressed and he's going to show the sea folk the dragon reborn End. Mad. Yeah. The end. Mm. And, okay, analyzing this chapter for me is all about the balance that Min brings. Mm. When she is allowed back to Rand, it changes him. It changes his mood. It changes this depressive, melancholy Rand thing that is tugging at him Mm. and pulls him back to life. Massively. He's, he's a different mm. person when she's around. Yeah, and, and look how it changes now in the next chapter. I'm so excited for the last chapter. I can't even wait to get there. Yes. <laughs> he, he becomes almost like mischievous, you know, like he... Yeah, d- like mischievous. On a, on, a little, he, on a little mission. Yeah. He's got a smirk it's on like, his face. He's, yeah. It's like almost the, the, the internal battle, the taint as... Okay, yes, we know. The taint is taking control of him then, there. Mm. And then Min brings back this light that fights it off and with that change comes his Tavira nature just flowing through so I think maybe his Tavira ability is maybe a bit blocked through something and then all of a sudden because he's like whoa I gotta ride this luck today or this this thing like this boat's gonna be ridden 
the next chapter is called Taverin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All about it. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, man, I, I, I don't like Suki Rand, but uh, it's so great when he comes out of it. Yeah. It is. Thanks, Min. Love you. Everyone loves Min. Who was it that wrote in and said they were surprised that we, we bashed Min so much? I don't know. I've purged that message from my brain. It's <laughs> categorically untrue. Never you bashed see, Min. Ever. More information, more reason to believe that we love Min. Min's the best. <laughs> Did you have anything to say about that chapter, Joe? Was there anything stood out to you? Or no, I just forward? like that little scene at the end where he's having a bath and Min is just watching this whole thing because that's the first time she's interacted, like seen the interaction between Rand and his maidens. And she's like, wow, what an mm. interesting dynamic. <laughs> Rand's like, this is <laughs> yes, not interesting. Meanwhile, Rand, Rand thinks the same. This is a weird dynamic. I don't know what to do She's with like, this. She's like, this is fascinating. Think, Look at them go. Think, think about it and the perspective of a lover. It's, it's, he's always surrounded by these maidens, and there's hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Now, any, any woman attached to Rand would automatically be jealous. Like, Whoa. Um, obviously, Min doesn't fall into that because she saw the future. She knows what lies for Rand and all of that. But it would be a bloody funny thing to see, getting pushed into a bath, having his head washed, and none of it really because he's wanting it or asking for it. It's just no. him having a, In fact, a nice the awkwardness, little... the awkwardness is probably quite entertaining to her. Mm, yes, and the maiden's humor around it and berating him like, oh, you need a scar. <laughs> I like Nandera as well. Like eventually when she sees how Min uplifts Rand, she's like, man, I should have let you in ages ago. What the fuck was I thinking? (laughs) From now on, you have 100% unfettered access to Rand. Uh, The other thing that for me was uh, a very strange threat is where Min says to Rand, well, if you don't, I can't remember what it was that you were supposed to do or whatever. And she's like, I will tell the maidens you ravaged me. I was like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah, well, I mean, that shocks him into like listening to her, right? Mm. She had to sort of like splash his face with cold water before she could. Yeah, that, and surely that is a big splash because Min is yeah. somehow just wormed, not wormed, because it's done in a good and on merit part, but she's uh, at, at almost a wise one in token. She's accepted in their tents like yeah. nothing's wrong. She's accepted into the maidens. She's just accepted everywhere she goes. That's why I just love her. Yeah. Everybody loves men. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Next t-shirt. In fiction and out yet. <laughs> uh, what else, Joe? Not much. There was just some, you know, Rand's back on track. He was moody, now he's not. Yeah. It's, it's pretty sad because the, the chapter starts with the days after sending Perrin away seemed endless to Rand. And when you combine that with a comment he made to Loyal that we read in a previous chapter about he's going to make sure that he's sending everyone away so he's alone and being alone is terrifying. Um, that's um, pretty pretty dark space for old, old Randolph Thor. Well, luckily, it only lasted a few days. Yes, yes, luckily. The night that Rand went to Camelin. Remember, he had his disguise and he had his hands tied up. And oh, he goes yeah? to Bashir and he meets Bile and tells him that the spears will march to, on Ilion. Um, he had two other stops. Rand references that night and the fact that he went all the way to Ruidian to retrieve the Kuten Kal before putting them in his little mirror of 
mists mm. hiding space. In Inverted weaves, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Secret trap. In that chapter, in that chapter where he says he's got three things to do that night, they only tell you about one of them. Yes, because we spoke about that. What were the other things? So, all right. Yeah. Off to Ruidian. Um, it's the one that he said he had to do alone. There was one he had to do alone, and it was this one. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got to keep those access, access keys close. I mean, I wouldn't leave him in Ruidian. I mean, they are guarded and super by... super secret. <laughs> by death traps, but still. Yes, yes. But still, yeah, they are bad news. Um, Rand knows the name of every woman that died for him or because of him. Except for one. Which one? There was a woman that died. um, The Dragon Reborn? Yeah, it's it's, it's in one of the scenes, there was a strange woman that died. A stranger, not a strange woman. Yeah, when he gets attacked in the soldiers and a gray man. mm. When they get get attacked in the street by Fane's white cloaks, there's an assassination attempt. In in the Dragon Reborn... Uh, Rand is camping by himself at night and that lady with her soldiers arrive and Rand just summarily decapitates her. Yes. Mm. Is that her? Well, that, did he find out the name of the woman in the street? How? Oh, yes, he did. That was an Aeol. That was a maiden. No, no. It was oh, a woman. the old lady. It was some oh, old yeah, lady. You're right. There was an old woman. I don't know. But, she was old. I don't think Rand would remember a dark friend that he decapitated. Like no, that wouldn't have been on those on Billy's list. No, <laughs> those are casualties of war. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, Joe. Yes, maybe the, the, you, the you're right. There was that dark or that um, Payton Fane white cloak attack. There was a maiden that died in front of him, but there was also an old lady in the street. He mentions that in the next chapter, in my chapter. Oh, does he? Okay, well yeah. there we go. Right, definitive. Um. Rand also mentions being overwhelmed with blazing fear and rage when throwing Perrin across the room. So the blazing fear part is what stood out to me. And what's becoming brutally obvious to me now is how I have missed the damage the, um, the you know, the box and the torture did to Rand. Mm. Um, in these chapters, it comes up more than once. Yeah. And I used to think on previous reads, oh, he's a bit claustrophobic now. Okay, cool, I get it. But it's much more serious. Yeah. Those eyes that I did incredible damage to him. Like the PTSD is significant. Um, he thinks about sort of after like, why did Perrin have to choose the Isodai to make our argument about? Mm. And he thinks they were too dangerous to keep for long as captives. He did not know what to do with them. They frightened him. Mm. That last That's line I've always missed. The wise ones. Exactly, but he's like he's mm. still—he's not even like angry, and now he's dominated them, and he showed them who's boss. He's still afraid of them. Um, yeah. I think Rain's move to hand him to the wise ones is uh, more not based on oh they're going to be taught humility no. and jiato because Rand wasn't privy to the teachings of Egwene and everything that happened in there. I don't think he even understood really what was happening there. Mm-hmm. I think he thought saw that as, okay, they'll treat them harshly and hard and they can channel to keep them in control, yes. perhaps. Yeah, he needs people he can trust that are also capable of controlling Aes Sedai. And mm. it's either the, I mean, Egwene's Aes Sedai, um, which he's sort of lumping in the same bucket, right? Like he's kind of, yeah. he treats them a little bit differently, but I said I to him or I said I. The, the Ashaman could do it, but he doesn't trust them to no. do it. Um, the wise ones are both capable of and, be, you know, trusted to, 
perform. That's I think it's a very, very wise decision not to trust the Ashaman there because uh, oh, well, number one, male, female, it, what is they that wanted, the simple tactic? wanted to kill them. Taim was there saying, yes, we should kill them. <laughs> yes. like, this is my yes. advice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what else can we kill? Um, Rand thinks to himself, Perrin had such a serene marriage with a smiling, gentle wife. <laughs> oh, was it in this what chapter? planet are you from, dude? <laughs> this, is, this is what Vili's saying. Like he, Rand hasn't been privy to what's happening on the inner workings with, with, with Gwen and the wise ones. And he's not privy to what's happening in Perrin's marriage either. Obviously no. not. I remember that line now. Yeah, It made me giggle. Another one that made me giggle was Min saying to Rand, um, Avienda isn't by any chance bony and scarred like Nandira is. <laughs> and no. I'm like, nope, young Jeez. and beautiful. Hot as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> How can you, what is he saying? Um, no, we are, you're both beautiful. How can one compare two sunrises? I was like, oh, Jesus, that's cheesy, oh, dude. smooth. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the best answer he could have given. I, I do agree oh, with that. I mean, what a minefield. Um, Ben's viewing about Rand you know, merging with another person is imminent. It's like a viewing she has now and it's about to happen, which is exciting because I can't remember any detail around it except that it happens in Shadow Logoth and in a fight with Samael, but um, keen to get there. Yeah, but technically that doesn't happen until the last battle. I think that's that way I read it is when he he does the body swap, right? Or Uh, usually where it starts, yeah, is in Shadow Logoth. Well, they touch Balefire. Like yes. because the viewing is that you will touch another man and you will become one. She specifically ah, mentions okay. them touching. Right. Well, anyway, it's um, it's all it's all relevant. Again. It starts now and it ends seven books later. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, okay, that's it for me. If you guys are done, we can mosey on over. I am done. Sure can. All right, this is me moseying on over to chapter thirty-four called Tiberin. Robert Jordan's not giving me anything to work with. <laughs> That's cool. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's fine. It's uh-huh. fine. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. So uh, it's time to go see the Athanmir. Hey, everybody. They've only been sitting on their boats in the river for what feels like four years. but <laughs> Scowling. Scowling. Uh, but yeah, it's it's time. It's time. And Rand is now, he's like you said, he's all giddy. He's all ready to go. He's dressed to impress. He's got <laughs> Min on his arm. He's got Deshiva and Flynn and Arishma in their black coats with their shining dragons and pins and whatnot. He's got a hundred of Debrain's armsmen. They got their trumpets. They got their drums. They got bannermen. They got flags. There's got five Aes Sedai. He's taking Alana, Bera, Rafella, Fieldren, not to be confused with Feldren, and Mirana. He's got Nandera with 200 maidens and Kamar with another 200 Sayadun which means black eyes. I thought it was red shields, but I Googled it. It's black eyes. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Australian movie, The Castle, but say a dune yes. reminds me of Bonnie Dune. Ah, uh, the serenity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's no serenity with these guys, though. <laughs> no chill. No chill whatsoever. Um, so yeah, Kamar is a new dude. I imagine it's a dude um, because it's a black eye. Uh, haven't heard of him, but he's also not going to be outdone by the uh, the maiden. So he's got 200 of his own. So they got quite a procession and they are cruising through the streets. All right. Varen and Karuna are missing. Rand asks about them. Varen is questioning the captive Aes Sedai to find out, he assumes, what their end game was. You know, after capturing him, what was the plan? What was, what was going to happen? 
And then Karuna is with Sorelia discussing, and I quote, a matter of protocol. <laughs> She's in the principal's office is what's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so Rand's like, yeah, fuck it. We, could, we can do without them. They're, we'll leave them. Rand's like, whatever. Uh, and off they go. They're marching off through the streets to much fanfare. There's roars from the crowd. Althor, Althor. And he's thinking, you know, like five days ago, they were screaming, Colavir, Colavir. Like, <laughs> whoever's in charge, we'll scream for them. But whatever, he'll take it. Everyone seems to love him. Um, Rand tells the Aes Sedai at, at this point as well. From now on, Mirana is in charge of your little group. And you'll report to her. And the shock waves <laughs> emanating from the Aes Sedai. Like he send literal ripples through space and time. Um yeah, so he doesn't understand the hierarchy. We know the hierarchy and we understand how this is this is no bueno, but he's like he doesn't understand. Marana was sent as the as the leader from some embassy, so originally, so she should be in charge. End of story. Uh, oh, and Rand has a new horse called Tai Daishar, which means Lord of Glory. I thought that was a bit much, but <laughs> sure. He didn't name it. Yeah, pretty low key, Rand. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyway. So off is they go. Is that not one of the? Sorry, what? Jody. Was that not one of the Isodai's horses that he just saw? Karuna's. Is it Karuna's, Karuna's horse? Yes. All right. Yeah. In one of the earlier chapters, they talk about how excellent her horse is as well. So you know, Rand's got himself a real surprise prize there. My horse now. I'm the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. <laughs> he played it for uh, it though. Yeah, because Min is also riding on one of the Isodai's horses, and she goes, "This is a beautiful horse. I wish I had one like this." And he goes, "Good. It's yours." I don't know whose horse it is. It's some other Aes Sedai's horse. It's now yours. Irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> it's yours now. <laughs> exactly. I'm the king. So off they go to the docks. Trumpets and drums. I mean, the, it's really all kinds of uh, all kinds of partying along the roads. Uh, all the way down to the docks. Everyone's out to see him. He's making a big show of it. Drawing a lot of attention to himself. Uh, he does. This does come into his mind as well during this chapter. Like He shouldn't be drawing so much attention to himself. Um, and they're going down to take a long boat, uh, to, across the water to the, to the waiting sea folk ship. Uh, along the way, Rand tells Min and Marana to fall back behind him because he'll have no stray arrows meant for him killing a woman today. That's the line that I mentioned earlier. Because remember he was, when he was out in the streets, uh, and when he got attacked, that's mm-hmm. when that woman died. So he was like, listen, back off. Don't, don't be near me because someone's going to try and shoot me. But of course they don't listen to him and. Five seconds later, they're back up next to him and having a fat chat. Um, he's not channeling, uh, but he can feel the Ashaman holding the source and a tingling that tells him at least, of course, one of the Aes Sedai is also channeling. And he wonders to himself whether their oaths will prevent them from channeling to save his life from an assassin and thinks that's very funny because he did tell them, you are not allowed to channel without my permission. But if someone attacks him, are they going to save him? Are they going to use the one power? Or will they, you know, Surely. stick to their oaths? So anyway. I'd like to think that they will. But if they're bound by the oath rod, like that's his his. But they didn't make those oaths on the oath rod. Yeah, but the okay. I'm just to him, about, you know, like yeah, yeah. All right, so they, they can have to weave a shield around him or something. It's still not a weapon, but it's breaking their oath to him, which is just a verbal one. And okay. I think that they would quite rightly assume that he would understand. Yes, but he thinks it's hysterical. And uh, yes. he's laughing out loud. Crazy Rand, <laughs> giggling to himself. <laughs> and uh, he's asking, <laughs> Moran asks him what's so funny. And he goes, oh, no, the world, it is a funny place. And Min lolls with him. Mirana is not amused. Uh, so they hop on the long boat. And thank God not everybody fits. The captor, the captain, Elver Shane, 
uh, is not enjoying have this having this lot on his boat. He would rather be, you know, ferrying ice peppers or whatever. Um, he's got the dragon reborn. He's got the Ashaman. He's got Ice Die, and he's got twenty of each of the two societies of Aiel on board his boat. And he's just looking around when he looks at the guys and then looks at their coats, and then like you know connects. You Rand is looking at his face, and he can see the the gears working as he puts all the rumors together. And he's like, oh fuck! And his eyes widen when he realizes who the Ashaman are. But out of everybody, he's he puts like the Ice Die between him and the Aiel. Like it's still the Aiel. Are still the most freaky to everybody there. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, regardless, he's paid well, the the captain. So he takes them to the Sea Folk ship. Um, he tells everyone on board who he's coming with, uh, who's going to go onto the Sea Folk ship with him. Sorry, not everyone fits. A bunch of you are staying behind. He's taking the Aes Sedai and the Ashaman with him, and of course Min, um, and everybody else stays behind. Debrain's cool with it. Oh, Debrain's there, by the way. <laughs> but oh, yeah. he, yeah, he knows that he's only there for show today. Like he's there because he's a high lord and blah 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 blah. So he's cool with it. He knows what's what's what. Uh, the Aiel are a different matter. They don't like being left behind, as we very well know. But you know, tough shit. The dragon reborn. The car, our car, has spoken. So the Aes Sedai simply accept his decision as well with a "It shall be as you command," which makes Rand immediately suspicious. He's like, hmm, "What? Well, that was a surprise." And he starts thinking, like, can he actually start trusting them? Or will they turn on him the second he turns his back on them? You know, like, he's starting to look at them. Uh, can he trust these guys? And right then, Min notices his scowl and assures him that he can trust these five. She's had a vision where she sees these five um, in his hand so that they are now loyal to him. And that is a huge boon. Thanks, Min. <laughs> that was a very handy viewing. So... Let me just recap their names because I have forgotten already who these people are. Who are these five? Alana, Bera, Rafaela, Fieldren, and Marana. Mm-hmm. Those are the five in his hand. Write them on your list of witches, Philly. I've got bad witches' names. <laughs> Aren't they all bad witches? The bad list. I remember, I keep track of the dark. I keep track of the evil. Yeah, That's my oh. role. Well, can you check? Yeah, but it's a dark friend, not a white cloak. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so my, my apologies. Same, same to me. So upon arrival at the boat, Rand channels an air bridge. And there's a bunch of talk about how he couldn't have done it one foot more, but it can carry any amount of weight. And uh, when men can make bridges better than women can make bridges, whatever. Okay, he's on an air bridge. No, women men... can make better bridges than men. Oh, whatever. You see how irrelevant it is? Uh, unless bridges are like <laughs> air bridges are what saves the day in the last battle, and I, I forgot about it. Um, Min walks up on this invisible air bridge with him. She just holds his arm and walks up, and Rand is surprised. And again, she sees his expression on his face, and she tells him, no, "I trust you." And I was thinking, "Oh, sweet, these two are so in sync. Like she's 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 great, and she can read his mind, and she's laughing as well, smiling because she knows that he's thinking. Can she read my mind? Because it's twice now that she's just looked at him and knows exactly what he's thinking." But uh, yeah, that's a great, great little couple, power couple here. So at the top of the air bridge of the white spray, he sees a group of women waiting for him. I've actually made like not bullet points, but numbered points here of all these people. <laughs> I really went to oh town. <laughs> Number one, we'll start with the most important. It's Harin Din Togara, two wins. Wave mistress to Clan Shodin. She speaks for the mistress of the ships. So the mistress of the ships is not here, but Harin is... Wave mistress to the clan. Second, she is with Shalon Din Togara, Morning Tide, Windfighter, 
to the clan Shodin. Now, Din Togara, both of them, are they related? Is this her daughter? I think it is. No, they're just from the same clan. So remember the other ones were Din Jarans? Yeah, but they win finally. They're both to clan Shodin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they're both um, to the clan Shodin, but they have Din Togara as their surnames. I think that they're related. I will have to Google it. I'm going to say they're related. So one is the wave mistress to the clan and the other one is the windfinder to the clan. So like the clan windfinder. So I assume this is higher than just the normal ship windfinder. And then third is uh, Dera Din Shalan, rising wave. She is sail mistress of that ship of the white spray. Mm -hmm. And then Taval Din Chanai, nine gulls, who is windfinder of the white spray. All right. Everybody on board of who is who. And then there was a fifth person hiding behind uh, a, a, a ship, and he's from Star Wars. But we're not allowed to mention him. So he introduces himself. He just stands on the top of the thing and goes, I am the Dragon Reborn. I am the Koromur. That's it. <laughs> All introduction. The women then introduce <laughs> themselves back, and they invite the Koromur. They name him the Koromur on board. And did she just name him the Koromur and give him permission to board? So she immediately admits that he's the Koromur. And the other women are shocked, yeah. as you and I are at this point as well. And, you know, of course, it's oblivious to, to Rand what, what uh, happened. Because Marana has to point it out in case he missed it, which he did. That she yeah. just she just named you the Koromur, like straight off the bat. He said, I'm the Koromur. And she went, yes. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? You've got to hold that for mm-hmm. the negotiations later. So, yeah, Taviranness yep. is just oozing out of his paws at the moment. And she's shocked that she even just said it. Uh, and then gave him permission, but technically it's his ship, so he doesn't need permission. Anyway, Harine invites him into her cabin alone, assuring him of his safety. And he is about to agree again like a dumbass, because he just wants to get everything <laughs> over and done with. And Marana's <laughs> like, listen, no, she's got two windfinders with her. We should take two. I said, die, you should take two with you, so that you are equal standings. Otherwise, the sea folk will think that they have the upper hand in the negotiations. So he's like, fine, fuck, whatever. So he's taking Min too, by the way. Oh, and the Shiva. <laughs> <laughs> and Marana and Rafella. So the Aes approve of his choice, although he doesn't know why he chose Rafella, but everyone seems like that's a good idea. And I look later on and I just figure it's because Rafella is strong. Not because mm. she's of any significance, but he, they've got two windfinders who are strong channelers, so he took two strong channelers with him. Because it says in the wiki that Marana and Rafella are strong enough to open their own uh, gateways and stuff, so they are high up in the power. Billy? I was going to say you negated that uh, Marana warned him that they can channel because Rand didn't know. Oh, yes. Oh, the Windfinders, yes. Yes, because mm. I know. So it's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> no, don't. Everyone knows. Those two can channel, take yeah. sisters. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, he. that's why he has to take two sisters with him so those two Windfinders can channel. So Harine does not approve of all of this shenanigans, and, but what's she going to do? Nothing, that's what. So Where does he take with him? Deshiva. He takes Deshiva, Mirana, and Rafella, and Min. So like Mirana and Rafella and Min and mm. one of the Forsaken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's who he's he taking. Yeah. He tells the other two. He tells uh, Flynn and Narishma to, uh, before he goes down, like, keep an eye on real shit. Not all these women that are, <laughs> these sea folk women who are sauntering <laughs> around. Up. Focus, guys. And they actually look oh, up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Narishma actually looks but hold a on. bit... Uh, embarrassed about it they're in sight of land so the sea folk will be dressed 
Yes, they are, but still the way they walk is, is the way that there's the swaying yeah, of the hips. Because uh, exactly. they walk on ships that are always moving, they have the sway to them. And uh, the, these two young uh, <laughs> shaman are just, their eyes are falling out of their heads. And well, Flynn is old. Naresh right. Mosia. Whatever. I can't keep track of these guys, Moritz. They're ages. <laughs> Narishma at least looks looks ashamed because he is young, but you know he can't help he himself. It's the, the hormones, you know. Um, but anyway, they start keeping an eye out on shit. You know, keep an eye on these dudes on deck. Keep an eye on the shore. Keep an eye on the water. Keep an eye on the clouds everywhere. Just keep eyes out. I'm going down below. All right, so uh, they head down to the uh, to the cabin to begin the negotiations. And once uh, those who are allowed to be seated are seated, and Min shows Rand how to use the chair because uh, you have to lift up a little latch. Uh, he blurts out, okay, let's be done with this. Like, he's got no patience for negotiations. He's, he's, <laughs> he's like, I am the Koromua, and this is how it's going to be done. So the signs have appeared. I meet the requirements for your prophecy. I am the Koromua. It's done. Harine is, uh, is not falling over herself to serve him. Um, so he calls Marana and Rafaela over to prove that they serve him. He's like, this is all the things that have happened. The Stone of Tear has fallen. I've got Kalandor. This is all in your prophecies as well. You know, the Aes Sedai serve me. Look. Marana, Rafaela, come over. And they just get up. And to his shock, they actually kneel next to him and kiss his hands, like kiss the dragon heads on the back of his hands. And even him is like, oh my fuck. (laughs) I was just calling you over. You didn't have to do this. But they are 100% on his side right now and proving it. So he tells Harin, the Aes Sedai serve him. And so will the sea folk. Again, I'm the Koromur. But she's carrying on about the bargain. And just by the way she says it, Rand also knows that that's a capitalized bargain. That's a bargain with a B. It's a thing. Um, but she goes on to tell him that uh, she'll be in deep shit from Nesta. Remember Nesta Dinreus? She's rad. Yeah, uh, if, if she makes a, a cock deal. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing a lot here. Much to everyone's <laughs> shock, even Harines. Everybody's like, stop telling this guy, <laughs> giving him all our secrets. She's like, oh, I'll be in so much trouble if I don't get a good deal with you. And then she's realizing what she's saying. And Rand starts realizing, holy shit, my Taviranus is working overtime today and he's going to milk it. It's time to, to, to go for it. Rand simply tells her that they will serve him. And she, and she agrees straight away. But this time she blames the Aes Sedai. She's like, what are you guys doing to me? Like, you're using the one power. This is not fair during the negotiation. But Marana tells her, like, listen, <laughs> we're not doing anything. You are in the presence of the Dragon Reborn. And shit gets real around him. So the, the, the bargain is not going very well not right now for the Seafolk because they are just giving him everything. Um, Rand is stoked that it looks like they're going to be joining him without a fight. He thinks to himself, like, every time I meet a new nation, it's, it's a mission. We have to fight them and they don't want to go. And there's rebels. There's rebels right now, which we will talk about in a minute. Um, and these guys look like they're just going to join him. Uh, Min comforts Harin at this point. She's like, don't worry. You won't be punished too badly for today's fuck up <laughs> because she's had a vision of what will happen to Harine. And then the wind, uh, she looks at her all like weirdly and her, her windfinder, Shallon, tells, tells Harine that Min is not an Aes Sedai. She can't channel. She's kind of disappointed by this. She thought, okay, maybe it's an Aes Sedai prophecy or something. But Rafaela chimes in saying that she's heard about a young girl with the ability to see things and then asks Min, are you that young girl? And Min thinks to herself, fuck, I've got to shut up more because she doesn't like anybody knowing about this because... Mm-hmm. She just gets used and abused. So anyway, we know that uh, Harine is going to be punished, but not so badly. Um, the Aes Sedai deduce that uh, if 
Harreen is to be punished due to this viewing that she is going to make a favorable bargain with them now. And she tells Harreen as much. So Harreen is losing it now. She's like, listen, if we know what the outcome of this bargain is, we know that you're going to give us what we want. So let's let's just do it then. Why are we, you know, goose footing around? Harreen is not having a good day. She's really she's really pale now and not not happy. Rand tells her that uh, from now on, like, you will provide the ships when I need them. You'll get me information from Tarabon and Aridoman, Bandar Eben and Tanchiko. And they'll keep a watch on the Aerith Ocean for these Sean Chan people. And Harine says, oh, we know all about the Sean Chan. Those are, those, those are bad news. Um, our ships never return uh, when we send them into the, the, what do they call them? The Cursed Seas or something? I can't remember. Towards, towards the Aerith Ocean. Islands? Uh, cursed Lands like... or something. <laughs> something. Mm. Something's cursed. And that they use the mm. One Power as a weapon. Like, we have lost ships to them. And we know, we know about them. So Rand's like, oh, shit. Have these guys already returned? And he's looking at that half spear that he carries and um, realizing that, okay, you know, I've got a lot of problems. And I think the, the Sean Chan are going to be a problem again pretty fucking soon. And he is right. Yep. They are already in, in Amadecia. So they are heading your way, dude. Uh, and this is when he starts to freak out and he has some of those box flashbacks. And he's realizing, he looks at the cabin, he's feeling constricted, you know, enemies all around, reminder, and he starts losing his shit. He tells them that, Marana and Rafaela can finish the bargain and he's trying to get out of the chair and he can't get the little, little arm rest off so he just rips it off and storms out because he can't take it anymore in there. He just walks, doesn't take anyone with him and Marana catches his arm before he leaves and she begs him to stay. She's like, your Taviranus is, can you not see what's happening? You've got to stay. Let's get the best bargain we can do. It's going great. But he leaves anyway. He tells her like, no, I can't. I got to go. I got to go. Because he's, his uh, claustrophobia is really acting up now. And then later, by the way, he blames them for making a shit bargain. They get into trouble because <laughs> <laughs> after he left, things start going great for the for the for the uh, the sea folk. Again. Sea folk, yeah. yeah. Um, but up on deck, everyone is just looking at him expectantly because, like, well, that was quick. And Min joins him because he just left her behind. And he's like, "Oh, sorry, I left you." She's like, "No, no, I get it. Don't worry about it." Uh, he sees Flynn and Narishma. I've typed Nourish Man over here, but anyway, uh, keeping <laughs> <laughs> keeping an eye out for danger, as he suggested. They're not looking at the hips of the the swaying seafolk women, um, and he thinks to himself, like, yeah, I'm in a really vulnerable position on this ship. Like, if a Forsaken wanted to take me out, they could have done it right now. And then he starts thinking, why haven't the Forsaken attacked me yet? Uh, he doesn't know about the Lord, let the Lord of Chaos rule uh, part of the the orders, and he's like, man, why haven't they just brought the palace down around my head? I've been sitting there. For what seems like months to me the reader yeah. and nobody's trying to take me out it's really weird he's had one visit from from samael offering peace and the rest have just left him alone so yeah he's he's a bit uh he's feeling vulnerable but he's also he's got a problem those are problems for another time another time because today he's riding that taviran wave <laughs> and he intends to put it to good use he's like yeah he tells men you know what let's go sort out those rebels why not and he tells her, like, they'll be mine before the end of the day, before sunset. And that's the next mission for the next chapter. Ah, old mischievous Rand up to some tricks. He is, he's all, like you say, he's all giddy. He's, she, yeah. Min reignited something in him. She's brought his taviranus out in him. And he's like, listen, while I'm on the top of this wave, let's go use it everywhere we can. Yeah. And off he goes to go and see... Uh, the rebels. Yeah, I've got. The, I've sorted out the uh, the the sea folk in like five minutes on board the ship. 
Uh, let's go see what we I'm can. I'm sure do. everything's fine and it won't <laughs> get any worse. <laughs> yeah, let's go sort out now, those rebels. He's the sense that he maybe got a bit of a panic attack being in that claustrophobic little he room. Did. I mean, 100%. it's so low, and he rips off the the chair handle mm. because you know mm. the chairs are bolted to the floor because it is a boat and all that nonsense. Uh, mm. But it's it really feels like he's like, okay, cool, I I have to get out of here. Yeah, and you feel it as well. Like, yeah. mm. that's what I was sort of referring to in my in my notes in the previous chapters. Like, it, it keeps you keep getting reminded now of just how broken mm. he is because of that experience. Like the fear of the Aes Sedai, this reaction. I mean, he was winning. You know, like he was getting mm. everything he wanted, and then couldn't stay in the room any longer. Had to leave to the point that he panicked and ripped the arm off the chair. Um, yeah, pretty messed up. Yeah, and Min sees that. Like when he's yeah. up on the deck and he's like, he's kind of looking at the sky, just breathing, you know, and she sees it and she's like, oh, the box. She knows. Yeah. It's all right with, um, I mean, Miranda's not a bad one to leave in charge in there. No. She is a, a grey, I think. She's a diplomat. Yep. Um, that's mm-hmm. her Rand pretty much outright says it. You're a grey. Negotiate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do your fucking job. Um, what else? What else? Will? Oh, yeah, that's like, there's not a hell of a lot that happens. I mean, Giddy yeah. Rand is on a boat. What is a longboat? Is it like a rowboat? Or... Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, like they, there's a lot of people that can get on it if you've got all the societies with 20 representation. So it's, it sounds more like a barge or a ferry. Yeah. But I have no idea what a longboat is. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a long boat. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Moritz. <laughs> Where would we be without you? Oh, we would be so lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of speaking, I was going to say speaking of semen, uh, Alana <laughs> must be telling Min that she can sense Rand having sex with her because they have like a little quiet word, and uh, Min starts blushing. That's what Rand observes. Alana. Oh, and I completely missed that. I saw them, and she got rent red in the face, and I was like, huh? I didn't know what they were talking about. I get it now. And Ra- doesn't Rand ask her, what did you and Alana speak about? And she was like, no, no I think so. Downplayed it. Yeah. 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 No, don't, uh, don't ask. Okay. okay. <laughs> nice I'm segue, Morris. You didn't, you didn't have it with the title of the chapter, but you, you, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but I worked one in there. <laughs> um, and then I just also had a chuckle that Karuna is consulting with Sorolea on a matter of protocol. Mm, indeed. <laughs> sure. That's it. Should we move along? Okay, then we head into chapter 35 called Into the Woods. Why don't you take us into the weeds, Vili? I will take you into the weeds. Uh, right. We have a Min chapter, or a Min point of view chapter. And Min and Rand are riding his casino lux. Uh, his mm. casino luck. Big time. They're back in his sex chamber. I mean, his bedroom. And uh, Min is quite uh, unhappy with the furnishings you know doesn't like black square drab furnishings anyway um rand is getting himself ready and he's got very tight breeches on and his boots are folded down exposing his very good legs and marvelous calves so not a euphemism, as we thought. This is now calves exposed and comments of calves. So, 
having a well-turned set of calves is oh, a thing. Oh, nothing, nothing sexier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Rand is trying on very many different coats to get the right coat. And eventually he settles on a coat that <laughs> is the one that he wore on the return back from Do My Wells. And men could immediately see when he picked it up, the memory that came back and his hand shaking, like how he is still shaken by that. Now, uh, in this period of time within the room, men also then drops it on Rand or thinks, not drops it on him, thinks about the one viewing that she has not mentioned to him. And that is how the woman that is dead is supposed to be there to help him in this. Moraine, which is obviously she has got no idea what's going to come there. Um, now, Min then just decides to change the atmosphere in the room and says, hey, do you want to do some comforting? And Rand chokes on his tongue, <laughs> which was quite funny. It's like comforting yeah. is now a thing. Um, and he's like, no, 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 no. I need to keep moving. The Taviran is working. Let's ride this luck. And he uh, tells Min that um, they're going to get going and they're going to go and see the rebels now. Min tells him that she loves him. Now, Min and Rand goes to see about some rebels, opens a gateway, and um, Rand pulls them out into a wood with birds and birds she doesn't even recognize. And they're clearly in a somewhere different, faraway place. And it is not even a minute. And the Taviran pool pulls Caroline de Mundred in, uh, which was a bit weird for men because she had just the thought of Moiraine. And now she sees a woman that looks just like Moiraine, but speaks with a totally different voice. And she's like, okay, no, that's definitely not Moiraine. Um, but uh, Lady Caroline caroling her, crossbow uh, decides to lose the crossbow bolt and I think she didn't want to not lose in their direction sort of mm. unloading her very sophisticated weapon because I mean they're all rich wealthy nobles they have crossbows it's not really a thing that you hear about often there's a lot of like specific thing that these people carry crossbows it's, it's nobles and uh, assassins that have crossbows mm. So it's like uh, maybe the pinnacle of technology at that yeah. in this age, at that point in time. Um, now, uh, she recognizes Rand, and uh, Rand um, pretty much announced himself, I am the dragon. And she's like, well, I've heard that you have gone to the tower. That's Lady Colivere. And she's also heard that you killed Elaine, and you killed Morgays, and I've heard a lot of things. Um, and then the whole discussion then starts going around Rand just being Ankyrian, how it affects everything around them. It's affecting it in a bad way. And Min just jumps in there out of nowhere and it's like, no, you've got it all wrong. You are only seeing the dark. You are not seeing the good. There's been no kids born with deformity. There's been no stillbirths. And she drops these facts. So she's mm -hmm. been reading in the back end mm -hmm. uh, literature that uh, Old Fowl was giving her. And she'd learned a lot. And then she 
actually becomes a bit of shame. Like, oh, they're both looking at her quite intently. And is she talking shit or is she talking out of place type of thing? And sort of backs down a bit. But um, it's no comment made. It, it really, like, I think hit out, hit back hard at mm. what um, Lady Carolyn was saying. Uh, but with that, obviously, there's now more riders coming, and there were like about 20 horses or whatever is coming in close. And the first one to break through the bushes is Darlin, Lord Darlin Cisnera. So this is the Tyrannian long nose. And um, not Tyrannian, Taran. Taran. <laughs> Taran long nose, dude. Long yeah, tyrannical long nose, dude. Well, not really. Um Rand is then given an alias of Thomas Takrand, Trakant, which is quite ironic, uh, Lower House. You know, you won't know about him. And his wife, uh, Jessie. Uh, Min doesn't like the name. Reminisces about someone that she knows that had that name. But anyway, not important. Uh, Darlin um, is out of place. He's not supposed to be there. He was supposed to be in the somewhere Brimwood or whatever wood. Um, and Rand questions him straight out about that. Now, um, Lady, now I almost said Colivia, uh, <laughs> Carol, uh, tries to like, oh, no, this is my cousin. Don't don't ask. But Darlin's like, no, no, he came up with a slow boat or a boat up and uh, people move around. And what I don't understand this, this interchange between Darlin and Rand at this time, because all of a sudden Rand's just pushing him. Like, oh, well, you can go back with a boat quite quickly as well. And I'm like, okay, what is he pushing towards? Is this just him pushing his Taviran yep. nature? But I, anyway. I think, like, I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to assess what Darlin's motives are. Like, why are you up here with Torum Riot and, and Lady Carolyn? You're, you're supposed to be in tear. Yeah. Why are you here with other rebels? Like, what, is, what are your designs? And Darlin is sort of playing it down like, I just can't go back. I really want to marry Caroline, you know, Carolyn. Mm. And he he sort of, in his response, makes it clear that he's not, I'm here to oppose the Dragon Reborn because I think he's evil. Like, there's nothing like that. Because um, I've got to take that he's actually there for Carolyn. Like, that's, yes. that is what I felt. Like, that's that's a main objective mm. there, that he's there for her. Yes. And I think it's, a, it's sort of then men sort of sees that he is going to marry her after much uh, counterplay on her side mm -hmm. in one of her viewings, but also sees yeah. him wearing a crown. Like, what kingdom she can't say. Well, doesn't, doesn't it have a sword or something across the, 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 what do you call it, a facial crown or something? The brow. brow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that carries on. And they now decide that, okay, they've been out for long enough, um, and the hunting is poor, and poor Darlin nearly copped an arrow the loosed bolt that uh, Carolyn sent him to the air nearly killed him. <laughs> yeah. um, hence one of his, his quick rush in there. Um, and Torum has already returned 15 minutes ago to the camp or whatever. Um, and now he takes note that Rand and Min is horseless. And it's like, oh, it appears you lost your horses. And Rand like well knows that he, he knows there's, there's no horses. So they get given some horses and some poor plebs got kicked off their horses and told they'd enjoy the walk and there was even laughter and mockery afterwards and the fact that they had to do a bit of walking from that end um now i'm um, darlin 
surely he must know Rand. Not by sight. Not but like, I mean, it's just so weird. I mean, all the high lords of Tyr, like in the beginning when Rand took the, and, and Dylan goes himself into this, into, yes, the, he would have let Rand take Kalandor because now he's talking a lot of Al Thor to Al Thor. He, he, left, he left before Rand arrived. He's the guy that Matt fights. When Matt blows a hole yes. in the side of the tower and he and Julian go in and the Aiel mm. and Rand are in the stone, they're not, he hasn't seen them. He's just woken up from bed, right? He fights Matt, and Matt eventually beats him. He runs away and joins the rebels. He never interacted. Uh, yes, so he never interacted mm. with Rand. No. Okay, because I know there was a bunch of them that very quickly moved and said, like, they, and Rand still said that he respects them for outright yes, exactly. rebelling against him, mm. other than Not these backstabbing around. dogs that yeah. stay like the Colliviers yes. and the rest of yeah, them. Exactly. Um, exactly. Anyway. Uh, That's why Rand makes Darlin king of Tyr later. Mm. Now, the situation where uh, Min is being put in now, Rand is putting on a horse, she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you insane? Are you going to go into their camp? And he's like, hey, don't worry, I'm not mad yet. And I'm like, <laughs> funny. She goes, anyway, are you mad? And he just goes, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, Lady Carolyn asks Min, if she's Rand's lover. So the two of them are riding back and she says, no, no, get back. I want to see the exchange between the two. Lady Carolyn now. Um, and Rand and Darlin's riding side by side and now they're talking about um, stuff that Min can't really overhear because we are still in a Min chapter. So this is doesn't feel that way, but it's a Min perspective chapter. Now both uh, Min and Lady Caroline are very, very inquisitive, but... Very little can be heard, and then there's cracking of branches as the horse is walking and all of that. But um, this is where Darlin tells him, like, I would have let him have Kalandor, and the eel made him fight because the eel was busy taking the Stone of Tear. Um, and Rand then says to him, yeah, but all the other Terran lords are following Rand. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can just see there's a lot of things that's being dragged out, Um and this is where Min sees the crown on his head in this viewing. Now they're getting into the camp, which I would rather say the glamp, because <laughs> yeah, it turns out camping. circus tents are made out of silk and they're having <laughs> a royal party. But, you know, the royals are, I mean, think, I say royals, nobles, they, they're out hunting, sport and whatever. But the servants around them are looking pretty grim and the soldiers, because they know they pretty much or they believe they are in a trap and it's any moment that Rand is going to come and slam down on them. And this is very much fueled by uh, Lord Torum. Uh, now, Rand stiffens when they eventually get to the silk tent um, and he gets his, uh, my lady wife first, he gets Min and they get to the silk tent and then he, he stiffens because as soon as they enter the tent, he realizes there's Aes Sedai in there, and Min notices it, but, you know, he'll take it easy, let's just ride it out and see what happens. There's a round-faced red Aes Sedai sister there that Rand doesn't know, um, but Rand tells Min, like, look, don't worry, just let's just stay, take it easy. Um, Min gets a viewing of a soldier that comes and speaks to Lady Caroline, and says to him, like, immediately she warns her, like, 
do not trust them. It turns out that these soldiers all wear the white lion banner. So this is the leftover remnants of old Gabriel's uh, dark friend cronies that has now fallen in line with old dark friend Torum, um, who is now spotted to see there and guess who is with him? A familiar face. Mm-hmm. He's uh, called Mordeth. Or, as Rand then quickly points out, his name is Padan Fane, and he's got a hundred thousand gold bars on his head. And <laughs> even Crowns. to that, yeah, no, I wanted to say bars to make it sound <laughs> That's dramatic. Way more than a hundred thousand crowns. <laughs> yes, a shit ton but of anyway, money. he's got a shit ton of money, and it is uh, like it's noticed by Caroline as like, whoa, not even like a queen will have, or like the highest person yeah, will have that ransomed. sort of, you know, like this is, yeah, no, the queen has not even been ransomed for that amount of money. And he's like, he tells the whole story of everything that happened in Pain and Fane, killing the two rivers and, 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 and the whole Rost. Um, but uh, Caroline warns Rand then also, it's like, also be careful because this Torum has got a massive hatred of you. And he's been spreading the Althor agenda like he's going to come and kill them there. The, he's whipping up the whole camp, it would seems. Now, um, Rand, as he explains the paid and fine thing, actually breaks a, a goblet in his hand, crushes one, just like Perrin, which was quite cool. And then... Um, the someone comes and walks up and asks for an introduction. A woman's voice, turn around, and who's this Isodai standing there? Katsuwain. And the Katsuwain obviously knows Rand. She plays along with Thomas and has this little spanking talk of naughty child and boys and see how it plays out. And Rand is not too stoked. Um, so there was a bit of spanking talk. RJ can't get out of a chapter without a bit of spanking talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Caroline was like really scared of this moment. Like what, what's going to happen with Catswain? And she warns her like, whoa, this is, she's, um, she, ta- she takes it that you know Catswain, but you know, you got to be cautious of her. She's like, she has got a clout in the Aes Sedai. She's, it would appear that everyone looks up to her. Um, Torum then sneaks up. And he also wants an introduction. And same story, lesser noble. And um, Toram then like starts hitting quite, I don't want to say aggressively, but like, yeah, he's going to marry Caroline. And she's mm-hmm. quite uh, visually like deterred by it. Like she's upset by it. Like, no, stop saying this. Um, which is actually quite gross. And then uh, he looks for his man, Jeram, Jeram which is uh, obviously old Padan. And uh, uh, she says, well, he's obviously gone to his drinking hut or hassling the serving girls. Uh, then uh, Torum says, all right, well, does your cousin care for a little bit of sport? And this is where my heart's going, dig, dig, dig. Oh, yes, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and then the chapter's over. Oh no. Rand says, <laughs> no, no. Sport, I agree. Against the best advice of everyone, Rand agrees to sport. 
End of chapter. Let's see where this goes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well see where this leads. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, truth be told, I couldn't stop there. I just had to carry on reading. It was just like, Same. oh no. I'm a couple, this I'm a couple so chapters tough. ahead as well. Yeah. <laughs> we all are. Um, is Torum right in a dark rent? I don't know that he is. Words out of my mouth, dude. I've Googled it now. He is not. I think he's just being manipulated by Fane. Because there's no mention of him in the wiki. and more death is there. He is yeah. hanging out he's like an with Baden Fane. He's a dark friend. Just like Elida's a dark friend. Because they're hanging out <laughs> no. with dark friends. Stop, so they're friendly stop to claiming numbers for your cause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's just a, it's, I know it's a technicality, but, you know, he's a friend um, of the dark. I Well, I went hmm. and looked it up as well, and there was no reference to him being a capital D dark friend. No. Mm. I also thought a, it's a lowercase d dark friend. He's just a he's just a shit person. Yeah. Oh, he's he's also related to old G Man, the king, Aldrin, the former yeah. king of mm. Galdrin. He was Galdrian Riotin. I didn't yes. know that. Mm. Should we? I've also, should I tell you what uh, what happens to him <laughs> since I'm on the page? To to Torum Riotin. Yes, because he goes to Far Madding and tries to get Rand because of more death. He's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he tries to, to kill Rand in an ambush and he fails and Land kills him. So a, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't last long. <laughs> yes. Okay. I wonder if it's a good sword fight because he's a blade master. He is a blade master, but he, uh, he's blinded by hate, apparently. And that uh, confuses his sword mastery skills. I don't know. They say, yeah, I think Caroline says that his hatred of Althor seems to have increased since the arrival of Gerald Mordet. Surprise, surprise. Yep. Mm-hmm. That tracks. <laughs> yeah. So he tried it with Elida. He tried it with um he tried it with uh, old man Old Man uh, Whitecloak. Pedro Denial. <laughs> yeah, Pedro Denial. And then he went to Elida and made her hate Rand and try and capture him and torture him and eyes with this dude. Yeah. He's uh, he's is making he, the rounds. Is he boy? Yeah. I was wondering what happened to him. He's been uh, he's been in the background manipulating people. That's what he's been up to. Oh. Um, what else? Get through my notes. I've got a couple here, but I'll wait for you guys to. No, I'm, I'm done. Say what you want to say. No, I, I summarized. I think I got it all up. You did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Phil, you you mentioned the, the the furnishings and stuff that Min wants to get rid of. Rand has a tapestry of a lone swordsman about to be overwhelmed hanging in his room. Like imagine a wall of this person like surrounded by enemies about to be overwhelmed. Like, yeah, man, maybe get rid of that one. I don't think that's setting a good, healthy tone for Rand who feels like the world is closing in on him. Um, Min also mentions that there's no reason to tell him about this viewing about you would almost certainly fail without a woman that is dead and gone. Moraine was the only viewing of hers that had ever failed. Spoilers. Trust in the rules of your ability, Min. And Mm. you, dear reader. We should always have known that that Moraine is not completely dead based on this. Like now, obviously, with the luxury Mm. of hindsight, it's it's easy to see. But the rules are firm. Min's viewings always come true. Oh, this time it's wrong. No, actually, still true. Um, Phil, I also had a point about just seeing Min sort of um, apply Herodfell's philosophies. 
you know, to a specific situation or topic instead of just regurgitating them is cool. It shows that she really understands what he was talking mm. about. Um, and as some of our readers and we have said before, she becomes quite the studious um, advisor to Rand. Like she's constantly reading wherever they're going. She's going through books and stuff. and she She's, she's becoming books. quite the scholar. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, and I, I suppose also like the being in and around Rand and Rand being in his position as the Dragon Reborn gives you access to books. Books in this time is a rarity. <laughs> if nothing else, like, at least you can If nothing books. else, like you get books and you get stories, um, which is, I mean, we've, we've brought this point multiple times in, like how studying is so important here. Like knowledge mm. needs to be gained. Rand studied. Everyone's in the books. It's uh, yeah. always in the books, and there's even a book being written as this book is written about the story. It's Loyal's book. <laughs> yeah, there's it's... work in progress. Yeah. So, I mean, literature is important. <laughs> Reading is important, kids. Yeah. Um, Darlin says here that he was approached by Aes Sedai months ago saying that Rand would be going to the tower. So, even before the delegation arrived in Kyrian, they had designs, Elida and her cronies had designs on letting people know that Rand would be uh, in the tower any day now. <laughs> I'm surprised that they weren't caught out because they've been playing double sides of the fence, the tower I said die, um, mm. with with all the no nobles, like who they're going to put on the throne of Kyrian and who they're going to put on the yeah. throne here. So Kyrian especially, yeah. Mm. And I'm surprised that they do. I know that obviously the two factions don't speak, but with the amount of diastai ma that goes on, that this didn't come out. Yeah. <sighs> um, speaking of nobles, when uh, Darlin recognizes that um, Randonman don't have horses, he has two other lesser nobles get off their horses and give them to Randonman. Uh, those two nobles are called Rovere and Inez who both share first names with other characters in the story. Like, there's not a lot of double-ups of names, but both of these people do. The other Rover is a warder to Missouri, and uh, the other Inez is a noble from Candor who gave birth to a son in a farmhouse two miles from Dragonmount on the day of Guitarra Morosa's foretelling. Whoa. This is funny because when I read these two nobles' names, I'm like, oh, I wonder if you know they harbor yeah. any resentment or if they come back and they do anything. And I, for both of them on the wiki, on the fandom wiki articles, there are disambiguation for the other Rovere, click here, and for the other Inez, click here, which is funny because, yeah, you hardly ever see double ups of names. Mm. You, this chapter as well, you've got to suspend your, your disbelief a little bit and just go, okay, it's super Taviran because. Yeah. Rand is just in the middle of a forest with no horses. How the fuck did he get there? You know what Rand looks like. You know he's tall with red hair and blue eyes, blue-gray eyes. And Caroline picks him immediately. Immediately. And yeah. no one else does. And they go, oh, you've got no... Oh, your horses ran away. Have these horses. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> yes. Come into our home. Eat our food. <laughs> Fight me with a sword. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, swing, swing our practice swords. Uh, like, come on, guys. So, all right, fine. Maybe it's just like the super severeness is just boggling their brains because Caroline wants to ride close to the men to hear what they're talking about. And all they're talking about is their pretty wives. <laughs> you know, like, I hope they have pretty wives. Like, they're having such a chill conversation with this random minor lord that he met. And, yeah. and spilling really, the beans. Yeah. Just like, just yeah. talking, talking, talking. Totally. Yeah. The, the beauty of it all is that Rand being in that minor lord placed position 
is almost that all of them want to boast about their things. Like it's, it, it, everything flows off the tongue even a little bit more easier already. And then you add a sprinkling of Tavirin on that and it's like verbal diarrhea. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's acting weird around him today. He's just, it's, it's the Tavirinus. Do you guys remember anything about David Hanlon? Oh, do I? Let's oh. bring him up. Yeah, so he was like the the what do they call him in Camelin? The head of the guards or what? He's yeah, something like that. Can't remember. He was the head of the the, the like the, the city guard or the, the tower guard or the, uh, sorry the palace guard like all palace the, the, guard, the red yeah. coats. Yeah. Talonvor's job. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he was also, he's a dark friend, obviously, but he was mm. also like someone that always smelt vaguely of alcohol. Um, mm. And he was getting sort of really forward with Elaine. And at some point, the rumors were going around the city that she was sleeping with him. Like he, he yeah. really wormed his way in there uh, and made a real nuisance of himself. Can't remember his end. Uh, should I look into it? <laughs> I've got the way. No, no, not <laughs> now. Let's, let's leave ourselves some surprises. Callbacks. Ooh. What happened to... To David Hanlon. Watch yeah, he is all the a, listener contributions, just like exactly his whole timeline. Is terrible. He's a terrible man who deserves a terrible fate. So I, so I was wondering, like, what happened to all... Didn't we mention that? Like, what happened to all those guys? And were they all dark friends that worked for... <laughs> we've spoken about it before. Yeah. Like, it was just like a palace full of dark friends. Nah, just a couple yeah, of... Just a know, couple of them. And charge. now they've got their own, like, mercenary band that, you know, they... And everybody in the camp as well looks at them like with suspicion, like nobody fucking trusts these guys. And they must make their way back there, you know, like for, for David Hanlon to hold that position around Elaine when she's in Camelin, like they were in there with Gabriel, run out of town and then come back and take up the same positions. How? <laughs> well, read and find out. Like that, just as, I mean, surely you have some sort of, like, you can just go like, oh yeah, we're going to be guards. And they're like, cool, yeah, here's a uniform. You know, background oh, look, checking. We've already got these uniforms. We can just yeah. use these. <laughs> they're a bit, you know, soiled at the moment, but give them a wash. I suppose that's why she hires them. You guys already have uniforms, so it makes my life easier. You're hired. Wonder, yeah, no, it's actually, it's, I mean, that's a good, it's a good point. Like, I wonder how that comes about. I just can't remember. I'm sure yeah. it's well. explained, but I got nothing. Somewhat of a dark friend brings them in. Must be. Yes. A lot of those around. Probably. Likely. Did you guys pick a favorite moment? I did. I did. <laughs> okay, so Vili, <laughs> why don't you go ahead while Joe quickly goes over his notes? The, my favorite moment changed right in the beginning of our episode when this all okay. started. When um, it was brought up, where did I make my note there? Uh, Samantha and her opinion. <laughs> <laughs> became my favorite moment. <laughs> but I was I'll make... now, who the fuck is Samantha? I never read about her. <laughs> Samantha Sadai. Samantha Sadai. Very ah, critical Samantha. of these young upstarts. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but uh, I'll make that an honorable mention. And then my favorite moment of this book's by ah oh, sorry of the stretch of chapters by far is Rand's bath. And <laughs> the viewing circle and all the maiden <laughs> shit talkery and men just goggling at all of this. Oh, it is comical. It's it's a nice bit of levity after Rand's sort of like depression. Yes. Mm. 
How about you, Joe? Yeah, I've got one line. Um, <clears throat> Perrin has such a serene marriage. That's <laughs> the only time in these chapters that I lolled out loud. <laughs> so, yeah. Such a I, serene a marriage and a what? Wife? Yeah, Whatever, please, yeah. uh, such a pleasant wife. Gentle please, wife. Gentle wife or something like that. <laughs> With a smiling, gentle wife. <laughs> that old thing. Yeah. That was uh, yeah, ridiculous. A, a little <laughs> when you were reading, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're almost like you're rolling your eyes at Robert Jordan. Like, are you actually making this joke? But then you have to laugh because it yeah. is just so, so incorrect. And you, Moritz? Mine is, I mean, I thought I liked LVR and breaking a lighter down and setting her straight, but I also really dislike LVR and so yeah. that's not great. <laughs> so I was torn. Um, it's not the necessarily the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It's not the case in this case. No. So I went with uh, just Min uh, setting Rand straight about her own part in their tryst, sort of like taking back her power in Rand's eyes, you know, like making him understand she wouldn't have done that if she wasn't willing. She would never let him do that. Um, and he better fucking acknowledge that that was her choice or she's going to you know, ruin his reputation further. But then, you know, what that means for Rand afterwards is that he can come out of his funk a little bit. Like this is like the big thing that sort of kept him in his room. Sure, the fight with Perrin and stuff was bad, but he was really, really um, self-flagellating about, you know, what he thought he had uh, done against Min um, when she was a willing participant. So, welcome back, Rand, at least for a little while. Yeah. She was a willing participant, but she is worried about what her aunts will think about her. Because if they knew, they would be down there right now giving a load of <laughs> shit. Someone's getting a, a spanking. <laughs> and it's not Rand. Not Settle <laughs> down, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then we've got a favorite moment from Gerald as well. Just saying, maybe the shit that Elida has gotten into, maybe the Taveran manipulation of the sea folk, slim pickings. Thanks, Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Taveranness was actually good across the, the, the sea folk section and the uh, Into the Woods section. Just seeing how everyone is just basically powerless to, um, to his Taveranness. Hey, with all these um, listener contributions, it's been a... A noticeable lack of uh, contributions from Adrian. Adrian, I'm calling you out. Let us know. What's your <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> Just wondering. <laughs> to our listeners, specifically Adrian, send in your favorite moments, your questions, your theories, or anything at all. Uh, you can do that, do that using the social media links in the episode description, uh, where you also find links to our Discord, faithfully maintained by Adrian herself. Um, and also a link to the website where you can leave voice notes um, that we can play on the show, even buy a t-shirt. Uh, once you've done all of those things, left comments on the podcast episodes on your favorite podcast app and give us, given us a star rating and anything like that, then you can prepare for next time on Blood and Ashes, which will be chapter 36 called Blades through to the end of chapter 38 called Six Stories. Because mm. mm. it's only up to chapter 41, so we're splitting it into two. Three chapters next week and three chapters after that. Some of these chapters are pretty long. Yeah, like we're not going to power through, have like a massive four-hour No, it'll podcast. be a five-hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've split them up a bit, and I will do a chapter next time as well. Ooh. I will take the shortest one. Don't worry about that. He's going to take the best one, Billy. 
Yeah, I know he's going to do that. He always does that. Uh, I want to just quickly uh, bring in a quick shout out there for Hannes' birthday, which is today. We don't often record on a day hey. that one of our good mates and family members has a birthday. That's true. That's my oh, cousin. Yeah, Happy birthday, Hannes. Like a for you, Hannes. I say. Right. Anything else? Any shout outs? Nah. Rugby time. Okay, well, we got to go to bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the Springboks. Let's then sleep well and wake in time for the Springbok game. Indeed. Booker! Indeed. <laughs>